Hello everyone, welcome back to Rogue Opinions and the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review. Hello. Hey. Dramatic pause there. No, dramatic pause. The dramatic pause came courtesy of my good friend and co-host Paul Brown, as usual here in the classic Smackdown Review, or Retro Smackdown, classic retro, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, classic shit. Hey-ho. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we call it retro because Rogue and Retro, you know, nothing... Nothing really sells your podcast like a good bit of alliteration. A good bit of good retro nostalgia. Yeah. It's all the same, really. Yeah. When well, Shane McMahon was a young prick as opposed to an old prick. Yes. But you know. With his little stiffy whiffy punches. <laughs> yes. The man had stiff punches because he didn't know how to actually punch. So he just started swinging. Yeah. <laughs> you can describe Shane's punches. I know that bit in The Simpsons. Like, I'm going to swing my arms like this, and then walk this way, and if you get hit, it's your fault. Yeah. Not like Kane's punches. Kane's punches no. were pretty legit looking. Mm-hmm. Also, like, Kane, mask or not, just the noises he would make when he did the big arca. Yeah. Always did. Well, when he started, you know, talking. Yes. Well, he'd always make some sort of noise when the mask was on as well. It's amazing how how... Over time, that healed, you know, burnt. Yeah. And the voice box, and all of a sudden he had a voice, you know, it's a miracle. Well, the miracle of kayfabe. It's a miracle that two years before we saw his face, which he was so embarrassed to let anybody see, he felt comfortable enough to wear a basically, basically a tank top or a vest. Yeah. Showing most of his flesh. It's like, yes, you can see this, you can see how much I'm built. But how much I am not burnt. Yes. Some people jokingly called that called that like the vest cane. You know the one in two thousand two with like the half math one, like to the one with a bit of like mesh that you can't see yeah. through. As because cane got so much more in shape on the top, they jokingly referred to it as sexy cane. Sexy cane. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, cane posing for photos like Shawn Michaels, but with the mask still on. Yes. Look at all this. Don't look at the face. Don't see the face. I don't know how much a play a playgirl <laughs> fold of Glenn Jacobs would be appreciated. You know, even then. I was going to say, not so much now. 2001, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. 2000, now, no, no, no. No, no, no. Not now. There's not the market. It doesn't even look good in the gimmick now. There's no, there's no much uh, in the market for crazy old Repub- white ring guys in their 50s. Yeah. And to be honest, when he was last Kane, he was a bit podgy anyway. So it wasn't, it was kind of, kind of like, in his last run, he was kind of uh, like The Undertaker in this current run. It was. It's weird that how it's weird how with that mask he looks better without it, with kind of shaving the like short hair, mm. uh, as opposed to the the long hair that came with the mask. I think it's because you knew more so with that one than before that that wasn't his real hair. Well, the hair he's got on his head at this point is his own hair. But yeah, but I'm saying when the new mask from like 2011 onwards, because yeah, you, yeah. you knew that wasn't his real hair, it just looked Gay. weird. Yeah. yeah, two different interpretations of it. That's an interesting first three minutes, isn't it? Yeah. Talking about Kane. Kane will come up later on. It's a weird development happening Talking with Kane. Talking about Kane and his last run being pudgy like the Undertaker in this run. Yes. And his mask looking kind of gay. Yeah. But yet we're going to speak positively about Kane in this episode too. Yes. Mainly for beating up pudgy Undertaker, but that's to come later yeah. on. The pudgy man <laughs> had the nice... Oh look, I'm a biker, but oh look, I have a trench coat too. Mm-hmm. Oh look, my hair is kind of black and kind of ginger. Mm-hmm. Will I ever make sense of myself? <laughs> Not until the end of the invasion where he becomes big evil, then he finally figures out what the hell he's going to be. 
yeah. and next step was actually cutting the hair. Yeah, and giving himself a buzz cut. Mm-hmm. Well, there's not much a buzz cut. It's like that weird shaving and mohawk he tried to have for me, like, Mania 28, that 29, was, 30. That was queer, that. Yeah, that was weird. I did, that was his worst hairstyle. Mm-hmm. I actually, round about that whole from the sort of 98 up mm-hmm. until 02, yeah. my favourite gimmicks were Ministry Taker. Mm-hmm. I loved Ministry Taker because that was when he was only yeah. starting to get kind of pudgy. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when it, going through all the shite and transitioning, and the, so mm-hmm. Ministry Taker, miss out the middle bit, Big Evil. Yeah, pretty much. You know, because Big Evil is when he started to actually get back in shape again. When you watch, uh, when you do watch uh, stuff as like Ministry Taker, you I think you can understand why they wanted to take a few years off of that and just go go from something else and not be the dead man because when you went from the dead man to admitting that you, you did intentionally try to murder your brother and your family and then all of a sudden you're mis- mystical cult leader, you really went as far as you can with this and like, I went too okay with this, I need to go yeah. the other direction. I don't, I don't need to be standing at an altar with the druids hood on going Arr. It was very much verging on Saturday morning cartoon villain sitting in his throne with all these weird henchmen around him. Yeah, he was like Ivan Ooze from the Power Rangers movie. Very good. Very good. I'm or sure, I'm or Rita sure. Repulsa. Or, or a more gothic Dr. Claw from Inspector Gadget. Would that make Ken Zed then from Power Rangers? Because he was all red and weird looking too. <laughs> you'd, you'd say that bloody Paul Bear was his finster or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not Goldar. <laughs> I, I really did enjoy the Power Rangers, I really did. Yes, did I? Even the movie. I mm. loved the movie too. And do you know, I'll be honest with you, I quite enjoyed the the movie that was brought out not too long ago. Still haven't seen it. <laughs> I've seen that in the cinema. And, you know, on, you know, normal size telly screen. I haven't seen much of the actors from that film and much else, other than the guy who played Jason in the 2017 one. An Australian actor, he appeared in two seasons of uh, Stranger Things, and he gets, spoilers, he gets like possessed in the in the third season. Mm-hmm. And he starts acting all like psycho in it, <laughs> and he's like kidnapping people. He's he's very good. So I think it'd be weird for me to go from that to see him try and play Jason. So it's it's not like when the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers went and got possessed and became evil. Their way of being evil was acting in a country and wearing shades. Yeah, cause that's that's what that's what I. I asshole did in the 90s that's how you knew somebody wasn't yeah, a we, good guy anymore they wore shades indoors because they were rebellious it's like it's like, it's like like wrestling for a period where it seemed to be the big indication that someone's a bad guy now is when they come out for their first big promo they come out in a suit oh yeah that yeah, seemed to be a yeah, thing that seemed to be a thing like look at me I'm I'm doing my Vince McMahon impression I'm evil yeah. mm. and I have a suit because only evil people wear suits, apparently. Yeah. Did Did you hear, by the way, that this past uh, 30th anniversary of Raw was the highest rated thing in Raw's history? Well, not, I don't think I heard it in history. I heard it in a while, but when you're advertising all these names, of course, you're going to bring some casuals. I, I just think it's interesting considering that a certain Mr. McMahon had hee-haw a day with it. Yeah. It, was, it was, you know, it was a trip. Well, I heard he wasn't in the, the building, at least. Well, that's good. Mm-hmm. How to make Raw good? Don't let him be in it. Because if he was implementing on like thoughts and creative, I think he would do it from the the he'd be backstage. Because Vince isn't the kind of guy to phone instructions, and he'd be mm-hmm. there unless he 
Like the times where the rare times where you've heard of a show and Vince was in charge, he wasn't there. The reasons he always has a reason for being there. Yeah, otherwise, focus. well, that. Uh, well, I think I I doubt we'll see much of him anymore anyway no. because there's more cases coming out and more people saying things and more lawsuits he has to deal with. So I think his pull will be very much no good to him. Supposedly, I mean, he clearly enjoyed that enough to make him a big feature on his show now, but supposedly at some point, Vince has become not a fan of American Badass Tiger, which some have said is an indication that he isn't, doesn't have added. Otherwise, you know, recently on Raw Theory, we had a return of the American yeah, Badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, despite the fact on Tiger's looking more like an older version of, of Big Evil. Well, do you know what? I think currently with the way Undertaker is, I think that looks suits him better when, uh-huh. you know lumbering to the ring and taking up half the fucking show just on an entrance. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, he looked a sh- he looked shaky on the motorcycle as well, so... Oh, yeah, because of the weird shape of the of the, the gap in the ramp where you can yeah, come out. Yeah. Surely you have him come out from the side way, like when Eddie used to come out through the side bit on his, like, lowrider or when Del Rio used to come out in his car. Ah, well, he, needed, come out. he needed to do with teens, don't you remember? Yeah. He kind of just nosed the wheel yeah. a bit and then we're like, ooh. And then immediate cut. And then immediate cut to crowd shot. Like, don't he's embarrassed. Don't, don't. And and they played the good version of his big evil song, and not the shit version. Yeah, they they actually played uh, the Kid Rock version on on Raw, which is yeah. funny. And did you notice there was a lot of cursing and whatnot as well? It mm. seemed a little more mature than usual. Mm. Well, that's the thing. There was a lot of learning. I mean, they kept some stuff in, and then there was one bit, or you can. It's very where he goes, or you can, and. Obviously, some some songs have a reg- a regular version and a radio version where yeah. in order to get radio play they, they edit some yeah, stuff yeah. and like literally there's a bit in it where there would be a swear and it goes are you can and this the version of the song goes radio edits which was a, a potential thing that could rot did to, to yeah, take the piss out of that yeah anyway no we have this August seventeenth two thousand edition of SmackDown what well, we where we've set up for I just I, I was going to mention the raw theory because of the the connection with American Badass yeah. know, showing up. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was actually quite funny that he, he showed up. Uh, had a wee thing with Bray and, and LA Knight. Mm. A lot of people say that was a passing of the torch. It was, yeah. Yeah. Weird. Uh, but anyway, well, before we get into the August 15th Smackdown, we kind of just went in that wee time because you mentioned Shade and Kane yeah, and that yeah. did it in a weird way. But uh, how are you? How are you? Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm doing not too bad. Uh-huh. I'm, you know, I have my vape stick, <laughs> you know, which I'll be puffing intermittently throughout the show mm-hmm. to, you know, save my health and save on rustling. Uh, probably for the best. Two things that are good. To be fair, though, from what I've seen, you cough as much with the vape as you do with an actual cigarette. Not as much now. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've gotten used to it as yeah. vapiness. So just when your lungs don't know what to do, like, wait a minute, this isn't a cigarette. I know, my poor lungs. They need my nicotine. They don't know what they don't know what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're a lot like me then. Yeah. I don't know what's <laughs> going on a lot of the time. Do any I'm, of us really know what's going on? I just I just go with it. I, I walk forward and see what happens. <laughs> Sometimes you walk forward and you walk into a door. Yeah. But you know what happens. Sometimes. <laughs> but that's only on the good days, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what did you do today? I stepped forward and I walked into the door. Ah, one of the good days today. <laughs> what the fuck are we talking about? I don't know. We're just we're 
we're doing that intermittent, strange, off-the-wall ramble before we get into the serious business of this show. This is the bit where we ask each other about our day, even though we don't care and pretend we like each yeah, other. I care. <laughs> I'm joking, I I'm joking. Care. It's mandatory for all plug to have 10 minutes of pretend you like each other. Oh, I care. I like yeah. you, man. You're all right. Yeah, you're all right. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. You'll do. Yeah, you'll cool. do. I don't know how much... We've been at like shit seven years now anyway, so we have to like each other a little bit. Yeah. Well, I don't have much to do with it. I don't live that interesting a life. My mum's having a, a birthday this past week, so... Happy happy birthday to your mother when it comes. Thank you. Yeah. I am not going to get her a gift because she's not my mother. Well, she wouldn't expect one from you. Cause she, I, I'll just give her a friendly happy birthday on the show. Yes. She doesn't listen to the show, but then again, I think that's also a blessing because I wouldn't want to hear her to hear some of the things I've said on shows before. You definitely wouldn't want to hear some of the things I've said on shows. Yes. My mother would be so disappointed. Be like, what have you done, chosen to do with your life? What kind of people are you associating yourself with? To which you go, he's not always like that. Sometimes he's pleasant. <laughs> yeah, he's pleasant when he's pissed. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just nasty and <laughs> unpleasant. Mm. So yeah, well, 17th of August, as you know, we go, this episode... And then we've got another episode next week, and then we're here. We've then we'll all have arrived at SummerSlam yeah. 2000. Well, let's talk about what's happening in the in the world. The number one movie in the UK is the X Men, the first ever one. That was the number one a few weeks ago in the US, but now it's come to UK shores. That first one was a good one. Yes, it is. It really was. Although I've got to say, mm-hmm. when it comes to Sabretooth, yeah, Leaf Schreiber was so much better as Sabretooth than the first guy was. He was actually a wrestler. Yeah, I think you've told me that before. Yeah. But no, Eve Schreiber, guy, underrated actor, does not do enough nowadays, if you ask me, but great actor. He was in that, much like Vince Vaughn many, many moons ago, was in a shot-for-shot remake uh-huh. of Psycho. Mm-hmm. Eve Schreiber was in a shot-for-shot remake of The Omen, mm. which came out on the 6th of the 6th of the 6th. And I know because I went to see it. With my partner at the time. She is not my partner now. Yeah. But, you know, I keep I keep the stub from that day in my memory box because it was kinda cool and it was like, yeah, six oh six oh six, yeah, cool. What's the point of doing a remake if you're gonna do shot for shot anyway? Well it's just sometimes that's what we do, you know what I mean? Sometimes I think fuck it, we'll just do the film again. We'll film it with modern modern equipment and get a guy who's kinda good to yeah. play the part, you know. Cycle, they got Vince Vaughn, and I believe, I believe the two main stars in that Cycle remake was Vince Vaughn and Anne Hesch. Mm. Or should we say now the late Anne Hesch. Mm. And in the Omen remake, there was Leif Schreiber, and I can't quite recall who played his wife in it. Well, that shows how memorable she was to me, mm. but, you know. Not saying anything on the woman's acting. That yeah. that remake was actually a lot better than the Psycho one because oh, yeah. you know Psycho one got fucking panned. Yeah, yeah, and it's not got some Vince Vaughn. You know what I mean? Yeah. Vince Vaughn is actually when he's given the chance, a quite a good serious actor. Yeah, I just but there's just I think that people slated it because a lot of people didn't like Anne Hesh. He he can play like an arsehole or maybe a sinister character. Just Norman Bates just wasn't the one. I've not seen it, but I've seen that there was this film, if you heard it, came out, it was called Freaky, where it's like a new take on the body swap thing, where he mm-hmm. mentalizes this serial killer, he's like possesses, he switches bodies with this uh, teenager, he's like, so he can pretend to be hard and kill more people at this school, 
And so Vince Vaughn is playing him is playing a teenage girl in the trapped in the body of a serial killer who's played by Vince Vaughn. Right. So Vince Vaughn is a serial killer trapped in a serial killer's body, basically. Right. So you, you to the to the viewer's eyes, you're looking at Vince Vaughn, but to everyone else's eyes, it's a teenager. Is yeah, that well, the way it is? Well, well, you see the teenager character, and then when she pops up after meeting Vince Vaughn, who's the serial killer, she's now like so you, Vince Vaughn's in her head, and she's killing people. But now her her mind is now in Vince Vaughn's body. Right. So Vince Vaughn is like a younger on a teen. And uh, Vince Vaughn's body trying to get back into her own body. Right, I get you. That sounds complicated. It's, it's, I've made it more complicated than it actually. It's basically like Freaky Friday, but a horror movie style. I'm sure. Well, it's your killer. I'm sure that might be good to watch if you had nothing else to watch. It may be fun. Yeah. But the bits that where Vince Vaughn's not inside the girl's body and is actually playing the serial killer himself, I'm pretty sure he's very good. Sinister wise, he just couldn't play Norman Bates. No, unfortunately. But yeah, X Men's number one at this point in 2000. Robbie Williams, rock DJs, and everyone saw yeah, in the I UK. I remember that. I was, was on the TV all the time when I was growing up. I remember the uncensored version of that video where he ripped his skin off. Mm. He was he was quite a creative fucker back in the day. Was that Robbie Williams? And now, and the, this is the stage where we get to it in the American side. Over the next few weeks, where I've got a bunch of films that are number one that I've never fucking heard of. Go on. Then. And it starts with this what it called the cell. Is the, the number one Was movie? Cell, would that be the Jennifer Lopez film? It is starring Jennifer Lopez. Also, and Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn and Vincent D'Onofrio. At Vincent D'Onofrio, Vince Vaughn, Jennifer Lopez. That film is fucking fantastic. It, I, if there was ever a film I could recommend to you, <laughs> especially on the strength of uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character in it, <laughs> it is a fantastic movie. I'm not going to ruin it by trying to describe it to you. <laughs> Because I, I suck worse than shit at that. Oh, okay. But it is, it is great psychological fucking horror. Oh, it's great. I looked up uh, online, I'll give a brief description here. So, so is a two- <laughs> this is a segment I call Reading Directly from Wikipedia. Yeah. The Sale is a 2000 science fiction psychological thriller film directed by Tarzan Singh and his directorial debut star Jeffrey Lopez, Vince Vaughn, and Mr. Dorofio, following scientists as they use experimental technology to enter the main. A comatose serial killer in order to locate his latest kidnapped victim. Mm-hmm. See, this is where you always, these films always go wrong. Like, you, they always say, oh, they're using experimental technology. Why don't you make sure that the technology works then you wouldn't have all of this fuck ups? Oh, no, it works. It's not the technology that fucks up. Mm. Like I say, it's, Wikipedia always makes things sound shitter than they fucking are. The Cell is a fantastic movie. I've watched it numerous times. And Every time I've watched it, it's still as gripping and as good as the first time I watched it. Fantastic movie. So I'm just looking up what else this guy's uh, directed, and it looks like this may, he may have peaked too early from the sounds of your, what you're describing his... Well, I'd be like the guy who directed No Vacancy. No, no. Well, he's, he's, he's done this, he's done this film called Immortals, which I remember briefly hearing about and then forgetting about immediately. He did that weird comical remake of... of of basically Snow White called Mirror Mirror. Uh-huh. Did that. Film called Selfless, which I think is also a body swap thing where like Ben Kingsley's died, he wants to go inside the body of his mind inside the body of Ryan Reynolds uh-huh. so he can live longer or whatever. I think I've I think I've seen that. It kinda sucked. It sounded like it sucked from what I heard about it at the time. Uh-huh. One of them I tried to enjoy because I thought, you know, Ben Kingsley, legend. Uh-huh. But no, it was kinda sucky. Huh. The still also features uh, Australian actor Catherine Sunderland, 
who played Catherine in Power Rangers. She's the one who replaced Kimberly as oh. Big Ranger in the later seasons, and then went on. She in that Ben Kingsley thing? No, she's in a mor- She's in the cell. Oh, right, right. the third actress. This year? Literally, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got Lopez, Vincent Dorfey, Vince Vaughn, and then her. Oh. She's I, the fourth build one when I looked online. I know who she is in the film. She is the. She is the stricken victim hmm. of Vincent D'Onofrio. I see. I believe. Oh, babe. I'll, look, I'll have to look this film up. You will. I, like I say, I strongly recommend it. I think if you if you enjoy your. Yeah. If you enjoy your deep. Sort of psychological thrillers with a good bit of sci-fi in there. It's uh-huh. very good. So it's weird to hear about uh, Power Ranger actors doing such high-profile work outside of this. It's def- it's definitely one of those films. If you if uh, you know, like if films are good at drawing you in, uh-huh. you know, with the visuals and such as well. Mm-hmm. Visually striking movie. What well, did say? I think he got a nomination from the Academy Awards for best makeup. Mm. There you go. Oh no, makeup was great, but I mean, just the general imagery yeah. in the film was just fantastic. Mm. You know, like I say, a lot of films for that time period, I thought, like 2000s, maybe, let me say 2004, mm-hmm. there was a crop of really, really good movies in that time period. And a lot of them don't really get spoke too much about nowadays, mm. unless. We're speaking about it in the sense of like maybe something that a really popular actor or actress has been in, yeah, and they're talking back and they're going like, "Oh, remember you were in that?" And yeah. Like, oh yeah, I was in that. That was my big breakout role or yeah. some shit like that. And it just do it, you know. <laughs> and a lot, a lot of young boys at the times time enjoyed weren't watching it because you know there was scenes with Jennifer Lopez wearing mm-hmm. not a lot but a shirt and a pair of panties. Well, there you go. You know, and that's how you, 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 you get people in the theaters. Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio, fantastic acting. Jennifer Lopez, pretty decent acting. Vince Vaughn, great acting. Mm-hmm. And for all those prepubescent young boys, Jennifer Lopez in her panties. There you go. Yeah, I like Vincent D'Onofrio. I mainly know him from, like, he did that three series of that show that was on Netflix for uh, the Marvel Daredevil show where he played the main villain Kingpin. Mm. The big imposing guy, he's big. Suit. Yeah, yeah. He, they, they have a more, they give you more of the King Face backstory in this version. He's had a really fucked up childhood. Was he, was he better than, was he better than, uh, Michael, uh, Clark, Michael Duncan. Clark Duncan? He then. was. And then they brought him back for, again in this part, and he's, he's very good in it. This big imposing guy, he's big white suits. Yeah. Who get, he'll sit there and get all the people around, but then we has to, he'll get up and he'll fucking kill you. Did, did we have, uh, did they have Colin Farrell playing Bullseye no, again? No, they did not. Okay. Anyway. And the phone seems happy about that fact. As, as ever, was everyone else. You know, if, see if you watched that film and seen it as a comedy. <laughs> well, Colin most, Farrell was Most bad films can be a lot better when they're looked at as comedies. It's just the fact that it's, it's harder when you realise they're not meant to be. Yeah. So, so you see, you see Colin Farrell in that as Bullseye, mm-hmm. and then you see him in The Gentleman mm-hmm. as a coach, mm-hmm. and you know, he's brilliant in that. Uh-huh. He's fucking fantastic in that. In fact, that almost makes you helps you forget that like, he was in a horrible remake of Total Recall. It didn't even have a three boobed woman in it. It did. It did have a three boobed woman. Yeah, but it wasn't on Mars, was it? No, not on Mars. He just he goes into this club and then this woman with three boobs just flashes him at one point and then that's. That was it. No interaction. Well, they have an interaction. She flashes it, and then he, yeah. basically, he basically tells her to go away, and then yeah. she's going to go. Because I remember, because I, I didn't know it was a remake, 
So seeing a woman with three tits just popping up in the film, I went to go see her my cousin. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I was expecting that. Yeah. I don't have enough hands for that. You know. <laughs> but fucking, you know. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know why that made me laugh. <laughs> you know, enough uh, the film chat, which is taking up most of this show so far. As fun as it has been. It has been fun. It has been fun. Because I was not expecting you to know so much of the cell. When oh, I first... no, no. I, I knew the cell. I, that, is, that is definitely up there in my, you know, top ten of all time. <laughs> a lot of people read from this era would maybe say some of the is in their top ten of all time if they were big fans of this time. Yeah. <laughs> see if I did that. Yeah, I did. Very clever. Do myself a Barry Horowitz and put myself in the back there. Just buy yourself <laughs> a special Barry Horowitz shirt for that. You know that that one bit of merch he got when he beat who was it? He beat Skip. Uh, he beat Skip, and then he got his one piece of merch, that T-shirt with the hand on the back. I would, I would get one of those from a collection. You know, <laughs> a Barry Horowitz T-shirt. So like I said, we're building this everything, but you know what will not be in anyone's top ten best of all time in terms of pay-per-views. The one that happened on the Sunday before this, WCW New Blood Rising. Oh, is that a interest or idea? Oh, yes. We find the fact that New Blood, the faction, were now broken up so by the time they got to New Blood Rising because they ran out of steam because Vince Russo can't keep a story going. Yeah, it was that, it was that like, the same kind of scenario, not in this, not the same kind of situation, of course, but the same kind of scenario with the pay-per-view in your house, it's time. Yes. Because it was supposed to have Vader, but then it did not have Vader and it had Sid. Pretty much, yes. Yes, it was. It'd be like, this pay-per-view would be like if Sean and Hunter had blew up and were feuding by the time we got to In Your House Degeneration X. Ah, oh, right, right. Or like if The Rock got injured or lost the title before In Your House Rock Bottom, basically. <laughs> you mean if Vince Russell had been writing stories for the dub instead of the WCW? Yes. And I'd... I'd, I'd it, Wrestling fans of a certain age and generation can't help but say WCW without going WCW. Someone did a couple of hours time, Bert Hart said WCW when he was there, and he, he always called it the WCW. Here in the WCW, become the WCW. Yeah, I mean, and then they Homer and they put the and again put Homer. He did say WC the WCW a lot, didn't he? <laughs> maybe maybe he got pennies every time he said WCW. <laughs> Yeah. But speaking about that, what this preview did happen in Canada, I made some notes for it. This added three additional pages to my notes. Just just put, writing on New Blood Rising. Just putting, no the card blood. Out, just putting the card out and everything on my notes. But just before you get into it, just out of curiosity, what, what um, wrestlers, I assume, had some kind of NWO association. So what did oh, the, no, the NWO was long gone. By oh, so what did the New Blood, uh, cons- or who did the New Blood consist of? The New Blood was primarily people like, uh, we had a lot of young guys like your Sean O'Hare's, no. the, oh. the, the natural born under they were card or tag team guys. Other than that, you had Shane Douglas was put in the... Formerly, formerly Dean Douglas. Yes. Because I think it was the idea of he'd, he felt like other than he's been kept there in the other companies, even though calling him new blood, when he looked at Shane, uh, what he Shane Douglas, the guy, he got to a certain age, like, young guy, young guy, young guy, suddenly you look like you're 40 years old. And then that carried on. At him, you had Jeff sort Jarrett. Of, was, sort of way Sean Stasiak looked through most of his career. But you have uh, you know, Jeff Jarrett, kind of the figure of Vince Russo's no ch- ch- chosen one. Hence <laughs> his music, the chosen one. Yeah. Uh, who's David Flair, you had to sit through him. Uh, is um, he, 
He's not the one that's passed, is he? No, no, Reed Flair. Reed Flair is the one that's passed. Yeah. Reed Flair was actually very good at amateur wrestling, so even he had more wrestling ability than David Flair. Was David the one that Undertaker beat up yes, in their yes, yes. feud? Yes. Yeah. Not in yeah. Not in Reed, Not in David's feud. I mean, his yeah. feud with his daddy. Or... Yeah, yeah. Fucking, I wouldn't want to sit through a buddy. David Flair Undertaker feud it wouldn't last very yeah. long not that era Undertaker uh, anyway look at, in WCW honestly people were naturally embarrassed off so at one point David Flair was between his dad they had a match on pay-per-view at the Great American Bash David Flair versus Ric oh, Flair God. who won? I think it was shenanigans David won was that a shit match? Or I haven't a... watched it so I assume it was, must have I'm, been it was in 2000 I'm hopeful that due to the fact that it at least had one quality Competitors are in the match, it may have been good. I think Ernest Acabell was briefly in it, then he wasn't in it. Then he was also commissioner of WCW, who, ironically, he was he showed up recently on Impact Wrestling. He has. Do you know, he, he came out and brought, immediately Brian went, Who's that? And I went, Oh, you don't know Ernest Acabell, man. Oh, oh, Ernest somebody Cat. called my mama. He was in a Royal Rumble. Hey, he's one of the best parts of that Rumble, him coming out and dancing to somebody called my mama, which would then go, He has thought to such greats as Brodus Clay. And God, Do you, don't you mean Tyrus? Yes, Tyrus. Who is also a right-wing nut. Yeah. And who is currently, isn't he currently a champion of some sort? He's the NWA champion. Yeah. On your cell, Billy Corgan, for that idea. Make a past it fat right-wing knob end your champion. He occasionally appears on Fox News and that. Uh, and so he's got that. Oh, kind no, of, I've seen him. He's got that platform and everything. He appears with the belt and, like, and he's like, and people have been saying like, because, because Billy Corgan is clean. Oh, it's not because we wanted the belt feature on like Fox News. Like, you clearly did. Yeah, so why yeah. don't you submit it? I mean, who did he beat for that belt? Well, Trevor Murdoch. Well, I think Trevor Murdoch was the champion. But only he got the belt back because he lost it to Matt Cardona. Who yeah. doesn't, who looked like he's going to do some good work with it. Then Cardona got injured, so they just gave the belt back to. But, but I think it was Cardona, Murdoch, and Tyrus in a triple threat. Right. And for some reason, he had Cardona there. Didn't give him the belt back. You give it to Tyrus. Don't 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 they realize what Tyrus moves about as well as Top Dollar does? Well, Tyrus has all the when he jumps off the top rope or he goes to on to the turnbuckle at all. He flies with all the momentum of Big Enough throwing that fred that oven out the window and still game. Jeez. You know that know the phrase falling with style. That does not apply to Tyrus. Just falling. It's just falling. Yeah, well, it's it's not. You cannot say grace and agility when you mention Tyrus. I think Booker was like grouped down. There was a, a couple of episodes where like they were try, so trying to get all the young guys together, and Booker was there. Then Booker inevitably just went on his own thing, yeah. which is probably for the best because <laughs> Booker ended up being one of the better faces they had at that time. This is when he finally got his opportunity to become WCW champion. Five times in one month. Well, not in a month, but a year. Oh, in a year, five times I mean, a year. I mean, the title may, may have changed hands five times in a bloody month, and no in 2000, the way it kept changing. Yeah, well, wasn't that the case with uh, with WWF at the time as well? <laughs> the title kept going, what was it? Not not, not, to, not not to the extent of the WCW title. Oh, I know, but don't you recall at the time in WWF as well, it was one minute it was Stone Cold, then it was a rock, then it was Triple H. Yeah. Oh, wait, Mick Foley can have it for a little while. Oh, wait, Triple H again. You know, it's just that... It was it was being passed around between those four like a hot potato. Would you like me to take? I didn't plan on this. Would you like me to take you through the WCW titles journey in two thousand? Ah, go on. It might be worth a worth a giggle. <gasps> Should I take a deep breath? I'm taking a deep breath into my lungs here because you will have to start as soon as I finished 
uh, talking and say this was the final person who came in 2000 to hold the belt. I'll need you to speak because I'll need a moment to catch my breath. Okay, I'll leave with just for you to refresh yourself. So, we start well, with... Well, well, we'll talk about how it ended in 99, by the way, because it got very eager a couple times in late 99 where Sting won the, was the champion in 99, right? So don't right. start counting yet. Okay. So Sting got the champion in It was a weird circumstance with an unsanctioned match that technically had the belt on the line. So Aye. And so Bristol comes in, so I think he wants to kind of a reset to the tournament. Because Deadly Game was his only good idea, so he has to repeat that. Mm. And Bret Hart wins the tournament uh, at the Mayhem Review in November '99 to become the champion. Vacates it after the Starcade match in '99. The, the Goldberg match. Yeah, to yeah, say yeah. that he uh, yeah didn't want to win that way. And then wins the vacant title back in that match where the NW2000 form has to vacate a few weeks later anyway because also you remember Starcade concussion yeah. keeps wrestling. Told you can't, you're not cleared to wrestle. It's sold out against it. You must stop the tail. So the tail is vacant going into 2000. This is where you can start counting. <coughs> okay. 16th of January, it's sold out in the pay-per-view. Chris Benoit wins the title. That's one champion. Okay. Tail is immediately vacated. Because ben- he's leaving. Because Benoit goes with the rest of the Radicals. January 24th, Nitro. Sid wins the championship, defeating the Harris brothers in a handicap match with Kevin Nash as well in it. Kevin Nash is involved in there as well. He's also made himself briefly commissioner for a little while. Okay. On Thunder on January 25th. So what was the date beforehand? When January 24th. Natural. Right, okay. So it's for a week or so it's been vacated. The very next night on Thunder, January 25th, uh, due to a technicality, Commissioner Kevin Nash says, Sid, you pinned the wrong Harris, brother. You're not the champion anymore. He vacates it okay. and gives it to himself on, oh, that okay. same, on that same Thunder. So within a day it goes from Sid to Kevin Nash. So he starts off that Thunder. By the end of that episode of Thunder, Sid's won it back. Oh, okay. And then and then Sid actually holds it until April, which is like fucking Bruno San Martino in 2000. Wow. And then you have that reboot Nitro where Bischoff and Hogan start the new blood and millionaires thing. So all the belts get vacated, leading to the Slam review where there's two tournaments running simultaneously, and then the finals of another tournament and the main event for the world title. The only non-new blood guy who won a title is the guy who won the hardcore belt, and that went to Terry Funk. Couldn't, couldn't go to a better guy. So at that slam, oh, it's during Spring Stampede, that's the baby I'm talking about, sorry. At that baby, the ch- ch- chosen one, Jeff Jarrett, wins the title, defeating DDP in a tournament final because his Kimberly, DDP's wife, turns on him and joins the New Blood. Oh, okay. Uh, April 24th, Nitro, DDP wins the title in a steel cage with some help from David Arquette. April 25th, Thunder, David Arquette wins the world <laughs> title. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Jarrett wins the belt and slam a triple threat cage match against. Page and Arquette because swear bro, Arquette is aligned with the new blood wow. because he says they're probably the next thing. TDP don't trust anyone from Hollywood. <laughs> right, here we go. Have you been counting so far? Because I haven't. I think we're up to nine. Now. Are you including vac- vacancies? Yeah. Okay, so now you include vacancies. I think we're up to nine. Uh, and we're in, we're only in May. Where I'll be I'll be honest. I'm already starting to lose count. Well, but I think it's <laughs> over nine or ten. <laughs> Okay, we'll go in nine for now, right? Okay, okay. We'll go back to the edit and see. Uh, anyway, so nine, and that's Jarrett got it back for his second reign in the space of a month, and we're only on May 7th. That's when Slam Bree was when he won the belt. Red Flyer won a Battle Royal turn and shot the title and won it on the May 15th, 2000 episode of Dowd's uh, Night Show. Had he not been vi- stripped of the belt, which he was a week later by by Vince Russo. Well, at least he held it for a week. That was his. That was his 15th reign. He's about to get his 16th in a minute, but in the stupidest fashion. Okay. 
Although Flair claims because of unrecognised reigns of him dropping into guys in local territories, it's more than sixteen. But that's a whole other. That's a whole other. That's a whole other list. But if Flair hadn't been stripped of it, his match at the Great American Bash, if he held it to them, would it against his own son would have been for the title, which would have been a hell of a. There you go. So May twenty second, Nitro, Russo strips Flair of the title because Russo both on kayfabe and seemingly really for a reason didn't like Ric Flair. He gives it back to Jarrett, hands it to him. Okay, and Jarrett's so, a three-time champion. Okay. That's on May 22nd. May 23rd, Thunder. Kevin Nash wins the title from Jarrett. Okay, we're up to uh, 12 so far, I think. We'll go back through at the end, maybe. Yeah, 12. Okay. So, uh, so, Kevin Nash then feels like that... Oh, there was also a trouble thread in Vault Scott's down at that match where Nash won it. So, then Nash comes out on the May 28th, right, so the Nitro and says, you know what? I feel you were hard done by Flair. That's not exact words, but piece of what he meant. Hands the belt. Forfeits the belt to Ric Flair. And that's how Ric Flair earned his 16th recorded world title. Wow. And then he's booked in a match in the main event against Jeff Jarrett and loses the WCW title to Jeff Jarrett. Okay. And then, also, there wasn't an official title change, but also the Bashy Beach is the whole thing with Jarrett lying down for Hogan. And then, that doesn't count that belt that Hogan lever. Call that the Hogan Memorial Belt, the bald son of a bitch, all that other crap. Yeah. And so Jarrett's still the champion. And they book him in a match at the end of Bash of the Beach on July 9th against Booker T. Booker T wins his first ever WCW tape championship. He'll lose the title to Kevin Nash on August 28th, Nitro. And then win it back in September at the Fall Brawl pay-per-view. I'm about to read this next bit made me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Okay. September 25th, Nitro, because of Goldberg accidentally spewing Russo through a cage, Russo won the WCW title and then almost immediately vacates it. A week later, for the Booker T to win it back in the San Francisco 49ers match. Okay, we're up to 20 now. Uh, and finally, losing it to Scott Steiner at the Mayhem Preview in November, Steiner would hold the belt all the way till the final episode of Nitro with a simulcast where he would lose it and a match with Booker T, where Booker T would also go in as the US champion. So basically it was title for title, Booker T would hold it. He'd actually randomly lose it on episode of SmackDown when in, during the invasion, and then win it back before he's with The Rock. So that's where he gets his fifth WCW World title oh, right. okay. So by the end, by the time by the time WCW has ended, between July 9th and oh, July... I'm going with at least 23 or 24. Yeah, we're in that with 24 <sighs> times, I think. Jesus Christ. So between July 9th, 2000, about to reach, and March 26th with the final Nitro, Booker T has somehow become a four-time WCW champion. Yeah. And Jeff Jarrett became a four-time WCW champion between April 16th, <clears throat> where he won it for the first time, and May 29th. It's ridiculous. <sighs> this fucking company, man. I mean, people. There are some things we do say that people don't give credit for, but it's because of things like this. It's mainly because of a certain bro. And I even got into what how bad bloody new blood rising actually was. Well, that that can be you know, that can be for another day when we want to mentally punish ourselves. But, but right, I'll I'll run through it as quickly Is as I al- can. Almost as bad as heroes of wrestling, or. Not that bad. I mean, I wouldn't want to watch it, but I don't think I'd, I'd hate myself as much as I hated myself watching and reviewing Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> Let me tell you what the state of uh, WCW is at this point. Uh, so, New Blood Rising in Vancouver, British Columbia. Only the second ever WCW pay-per-view in Canada after that one in Mayhem where Bret Hart won the belt. 
this during the I can't I name it not down the vein. Oh, the, the the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver, also Pacific known as, also known as the Coliseum or the Rink on Renfrew, is it's named locally because it's on Renfrew Street and they do a lot of ice hockey there. That's what the oh. locals call it apparently. It can hold sixteen thousand two hundred people for a hockey game or seventeen thousand five hundred people for a concert. Nice capacity. WCW managed to bring in six thousand six hundred fourteen people. Wow. That's not so good. No, it's not. The tagline is, Our time is now. Whose time? You've broken up by this point. Yeah. The buy rate is a 0.18, which equates to 85,000 buys. Jesus. If you'll remember, the pay-per-view we did before Fully Loaded just then, that was the last pay-per-view we did, that was 420,000 buys. And that's even when it was going a little stale. No, just just then, like Jeez, just the, like uh, the, the only uh, there are two WA pay per views that I I did have some media. There are two WA pay per views that were in the pay per view era that I can recall doing worse than this. Two WWF ones. Yes, Which one ones? one is an in your house. I believe it's the seasons beatings one. Yeah, uh-huh. eighty thousand buys, but then again, it was ninety five and a B pay per view. And then the only other one that did worse than 85,000 is the very first WF official pay-per-view, which is the Wrestling Classic, even though it was eight because it was 85 and pay-per-view was still new. Yeah. So that got eight, that got 47,000 buys. So See, it, you, can give, you can give Wrestling Classic a pass because, yeah. like you say, that was the first pay-per-view and lots of people were probably, well, I'm not going to buy it, I'll just go see it. And, yeah, and then know. also, so that in your house is the only other one that's done it. December to Dismember got 90,000. So December to Dismember got 5,000 more buys than this show. I mean... Well, that was EC Dub, wasn't it? I mean, I'm pretty sure this... this I'm pretty sure this, this got more buys than he was a wrestling, but it's not exactly a victory to say that. No, it's really not. I mean, Heroes of Wrestling was like... Heroes of Wrestling seems like it was made by somebody that hated wrestling and wanted to make it look as bad as he possibly could. Uh, I'm not going to try to convince that's not what Vince Russo was trying to do with WCW here. Because the opening match is a gold record ladder match. With, with whom? With three count, obviously the boy band gimmick, gold record. Yeah. They got won, they won the match. The the team of Evan Courageous, Shannon Ward, Shaker, Shane Helms, with Tank Abbott as their bouncer slash number one fan. But Tank Abbott's a USC guy who Vince Russo got enamored with and literally got sent home because he suggested Tank Abbott winning the world title. That was so bad that WCW basically told him, go home. No, I get to. Go home, you Vince, you're drunk. Tank Abbott was basically like if you cross Jim Lee Anvil Neidhart with a psychotic UFC guy. He's actually in, a, a, he's in that episode of Friends. He's one of the opponents that John, John Favreau's character Pete fights when he tried to go in the UFC. Yeah, I know Pete. Uh, so yeah, the three the one, they defeated the Young Dragons, Kazayashi, Jamie San, aka Jamie Noble, and Young Yang, the future Jimmy Wang Yang. I love him. This match makes me feel... That went 11 minutes. This match hurts me. Ernest the Cat Miller, in 6 minutes, in 6 minutes 47, yeah. defeated the Great Muta. Seriously? Great Muta. Former multiple-time champion. In 2020, he won the GHC title in NOAA, making him the only one of four men to hold the IWGP, GHC Heavyweight, and All Japan Triple Crown titles. Wow. And this is what he's getting here. He's he, getting he, beat by... Ernest Miller, the Ernest commissioner. The cat. It's ironic that these two are also in the news, like, also... We mentioned Eris Miller and Impact. 
and Great Muta's doing this whole retirement tour over in Japan. Both as himself, Keiji Muto and the Great Muta. Yeah. Very recently teamed with Sting in a six-man tag, where it's him and Sting and Darby Allin, because Darby and AEW Sting's kind of protege. They took on the team of Akira, Namichimaru Fuji, and Hakushi. Oh. Hakushi still wrestled, I didn't know that. Also, apparently somewhere in that card, Old Mo Dragon wrestled a six-man with uh, Sonny Ono as his manager for the night. I remember Sonny Ono. Yes, that's a... Well, Ernest Scott Miller, though, it does have a legit, like, martial arts background, apparently. Literally, legit. Gary Bishop talked about how he was the karate instructor for Garrett Bischoff. I did, I did enjoy him coming out on Impact the other day. He was yeah. like a budget shaft. <laughs> you, got a shaft on Wish. Um, my, my one shaft. We've got the shaft at home. <laughs> that... Okay. <laughs> no, but... Uh, Buff Bagwell defeats Chris Canyon and the infamous Judy Bagwell in a forklift match. I'm not even going to talk about that because I've seen that talked about and it occasionally makes me sad. The Four Corners tag match for the uh, WCW tag team titles. Chronic, the champions, Brian Adams and Brian Clark, formerly yeah, uh, Crush, Crush and Adam Bomb respectively <laughs> in the WWF days, defeated the perfect event, Sean Cena and Chuck Palumbo. Sean O'Hare, Mark Jindrak, and the Misfits in Action, Gen- General Rection, and Corporal Cajun. Uh, General Rection was also Hugh Morris. I think Corporal Cajun was also known as Van Hammer. But the mo- thing that made this convoluted was the fact that the Filthy Animals were the officials. Like, Fisco Inferno was in the group, so he was in the inside of the ring. And then outside of the ring was Conan, Ray, Billy Kidman. Yeah. Basically fucking about. And then, the- I mentioned Great Mayor. He's also in a group with Vampiro and the, the Kiss Demon called the Dark Carnival. And then after this, randomly Muta and Vampiro challenge Chronic to have another match later on in the night, as if it's an episode of TV yeah. and not a fucking pay-per-view. Billy Kidman defeats Shane Douglas with Tori Wilson in his corner in a strap match. Literally, they've removed all subtext of this next match of what it's supposed to be. It's literally <coughs> called a mud rip-off clothes match. Major Guns defeats Miss Hancock, a.k.a. Stacey Keebler. A mud rip-off clothes match. Yes. Or rip off clothes mud match. I may have wrongly typed it. But basically an excuse for Ventress so to see boobs. And then I think they were doing a whole storyline where Miss Hancock was uh, pregnant with potentially David Flair's kid. And then I think they did a miscarriage angle on this. Yeah. Because wrestling does far too many of those than they ever should have. They really do. Sting defeats the Kiss Demon in 52 seconds. Right. Because it's just, thanks for coming Sting. Thanks for making the trip to Canada. <laughs> yeah, thank you. In a Canadian rules match... Lance Storm, the Canadian heavyweight champion, as he's renamed the US title, defeats Mike Awesome with Jacques Rougeau as his, as the guest referee. Oh, no, this is Mike. Like, he's moving Canadian rules. He's trying to, like, the heel may, you know, sack in the deck in his favour. But he's in Canada. So he's getting the biggest reaction. Like, the fans love Lance Storm. Canadian rules mean instead of a traditional three count, the referee must have missed our five count. Following the five count, the competitor has stayed in for 10 seconds. If both men are counting for 10 seconds, for any reason, the first man to his feet wins the match. In addition, there are no countouts or submissions. Nice. Legit, like, I think there was, like, because they, they were following to the rules as it went, like, Landstorm taps out, then Jack Rudeau gets on, like, wait, no, 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 there's no count, there's no submissions in a Canadian rules match. <laughs> but apparently they, they tease, oh, this other Canadian legend will be the referee in this match. So everybody thought Bret Hart was coming. And they were a bit disappointed when Jack Rudeau showed up. But apparently, Brahart then did randomly come out after this and raise Landstorm Town because Canada. Just cause. And then, later on, in, and then after this, we have the Dark Carnival, Vampiro, and Great Miller. 
defeating Chronic to become tag team champions. <laughs> and uh, you remember last week when I told you about the issues in real life between uh, Russell and Goldberg, of yeah. Goldberg don't want to lose in a match at this pay-per-view? So Kevin Nash wins um, Trouble Threat, no one can tell the match against Steiner and Goldberg in about 10 minutes. This is where you're inside tail show where he gets that weird raid against Booker T and then losing it back at Fall Brawl. Yeah. So Goldberg doesn't show up at first. They claim KVB had automobile issues. Shows up, wrestles for a few minutes, goes to take, get the powerbomb, shoves Nash away, says, I'm not taking that, walks away, and gets an argument with Vince Russo. And basically, like, oh, Goldberg's gone off the script. We don't know what's happening here. And then Steiner taking the powerbomb and losing is. They're big him up as like the greatest person to ever live. Like, thank God Steiner had enough professionalism to take the finish. <laughs> Jeez. It hurts my soul. And then Booker T beat Jeff Jarrett to retain the WCW title. Apparently the it's, show was- a, it's a it's a ridiculous ridiculous thing. And you know, WCW from about Say, well, when did Russell show his face there? Uh, I think officially started in October of '99. Mm. And his first official pay per view, like the build to that Mayhem pay per view, like he was there before Halloween Havoc, but the lead up to the Mayhem pay per view was his official, like, him yeah. like, like altering things to his creative style, if you will. Apparently, the even though Jeff, even though Booker T's like a fan favourite, now he won the, the main event. There were reports of fans throwing garbage at the ring after the main event, mostly because they hated the overall show quality of what they saw. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, four hundred twenty thousand buys for fully loaded, eighty five thousand buys for this. So bear that in mind that this is what the August pay per view for WCW got at eighty five thousand, barely the hundred thousand mark. Let's bear that in mind because uh, I wonder what SummerSlam's gonna get. <laughs> oh, and I wonder again how far they will exceed. New blood rising. Well, I am, I am, I am looking forward to the SummerSlam, obviously, and I'm, de- I'm, I'm looking forward to discussing this episode of SmackDown too, yeah, because, yeah. like I say, it was a not not a fantastic episode by any means, but it was a, it was a good episode. It was a good a good show. It was an improvement over last week's wedding because it really does feel like, given how close we are, that everything does feel like it's coming into place. Yeah, every, everything is settling down and getting, like, the feuds are being, <laughs> feuds are being locked in, mm-hmm. you know, characters are developing a little bit, we see a little bit of tension from certain teams. Uh-huh. It's, it's a very interesting show. So, I want me to talk to you about Raw. Okay, we'll <laughs> let me to talk to you. Let me yeah. talk to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm really digging him, by the way. But first, though, dummy, yeah. <laughs> oh. You know the connect. There's a weird connection between Ellie Knight and the Undertaker. Yeah, they were both managed by Paul Bear or Percy Pringle as he Percy was. Percy Pringle as he was. Was that not one of his last? last? Yeah, weirdly, he managed Ellie Knight as part of a tag team briefly with Brian, a young Brian Cage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, one point he was known in a territory. He was Sir Percival Pringle at one point. Was uh, over. But we talked to you about Raw. We'll get to the actual SmackDown itself, and I was why I mentioned this because this made me laugh. The little booster spirits I've talked about WCW. I, I won't, I won't do it. But see, every time I hear someone saying, "Let me talk to you," yeah, I'm always going to think Ellie <laughs> Knight. Now. Yeah, yeah. So Triple, so Angle comes out to complain about the way Triple H has been treating him and everything after the show the week after SmackDown, and he GR says, "With two weeks to go till SummerSlam, 
will Triple H and Stephanie's marriage even make it to SummerSlam? <laughs> so Angle comes in and goes, No, Triple H, you've had it out for me ever since I came to the World Wrestling Federation. You know what? You reminded me of somebody that I met during my Olympic days. Figure skater, Tanya Harding. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone doesn't know the story of Tanya Harding? If, if ever there was a, a different meaning to the phrase, take the knee. Break a leg, if you yeah. will. Basically, she sweep the leg. She asked, she asked her boyfriend or guy she was going out with to basically break the leg of a rival figure yeah, skater. That that would have been oh, I can't. Do you know it's such a terrible thing that I can remember the name of the of the, the perpetrator, but never the name of the fucking the victim. Uh, Nancy Carrigan. Nancy Carrigan. That was it. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah. You. I know that was. Like, they were big. They were big. Like uh, rivals. Rivals. Like because Tonya Harding was pretty decent with her. Skating, and Nancy Carrigan was kind of a wee touch better than him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she went and done that to try and give herself an edge on the competition. And the minute it happened, mm-hmm. you know, she got caught. Where's that famous video footage of Nancy Carrigan sitting there with her leg all fucked up, going, "Why, why?" You know, I think, I think, yeah, I think because I heard there were stories that she got Nancy Carrigan taken out, but Tonya goes on and still loses somehow. Yeah, she still loses. So maybe she wasn't as good as she thought she was. They even made a film about her in 2018 yeah. called I, I, Tonya. I've seen the film. I've not, uh, not seen it. It's a, uh, it's a good film. You know, for a, you know, for what biopics are. Yeah, you know? yeah. Some biopics you can watch and you can be sitting there going, like, so moved, <laughs> and then other ones you can go, ah, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> you know. So yeah, he. Angle basically says in the situation, he believes that Triple H is Tanya Harding, he's Nancy Kerrigan, basically. Yes, he's Nancy Kerrigan. You know what? I really think, Triple H, it comes down to jealousy. Because look at every... I've accomplished things that you have as well. I've won championships, I've won King of the Ring, but I've done it all in my first nine months in the WWE. And where were you doing your first nine months, Triple H? I'll tell you what. You were wrestling hog pen matches. <laughs> Which is a nice call of it. We've reviewed that hog pen match. There was nothing wrong with that hog pen match apart from the fact that Triple H had to get tested after it. And you know, I I just feel bad that Stephanie has to be put through all this. That she's stuck with such a jealous loser like you. And Triple H comes storming down the ring. He's throwing his off. He's ready to fucking throw down. Yeah, he's ready to throw down. <laughs> Uh, right, then Shane gets between the two of them. Like, Shane runs and slides in the ring so quickly. It's like that uh, that clip of Sean at International Incident where he slides almost through the ring. That was honestly the coolest slide I've ever seen. There was not mm. even sliding Sean done cool. Well, he didn't do it cool, but he slid almost as far. Maybe it's all the sweat that he has on Shane. But he slides out and he slides in. He basically like you know he try to get them to focus on the rock, and so Mick Foley obviously comes out and decides to make a number one contender as match went. We need to have a match. We're gonna have a match tonight. It's gonna to be Kurt Angle doing with Triple H to take on The Rock and his partners, the Dudley Boys. <laughs> and like, and she's like, wait a minute, that's not fair. You can't have three items too. Like, you're right, Shane. We need someone with the testicular fortitude to keep these two together and work as a team. And that person can only be Shane McMahon. <sighs> Fucking Steve Wonder could have seen that coming. Hmm, totally. And he basically says, so, but if any of the review of Triple H feels like walking out like he done SmackDown, or Angle feels like returned the favor and walking out on this match, whoever walks out will automatically be removed from the from the SummerSlam match. Mm. Uh, and then there's some tension here because Kurt Angle greets Stephanie. He's waiting with a with an umbrella, waiting for Stephanie to help her with her bags and everything. Giving the umbrella, gives her a little kiss on the cheek as well. 
As, yeah, uh, I've seen that. As Triple H is watching him from backstage going mental, then he confronts him like, what the hell is this? He's mean you. How dare you? I'm way back here like I should. What's he doing out there greeting my own? He'd be like, upset Stephanie so much. He'd be like, because Stephanie is so lazy at her job. Fucking, she just fucks off. She fucks <laughs> off. Spike Shane cleaning her to no, she gets in. She, he's all greeting to leave. And then Shane tries again to keep the peace between the two. And then like, Angle, he's, he's like, uh, Angle, like, really, you gotta, you gotta knock it off. I mean, like, it's all thing between you and my, you and my sister. Like, what are you talking about? We're just friends. Sure. Basically, they're implying that Shane doesn't buy it. Like, Shane's now suspicious. I'm like, you're, you're questioning my integrity. I've got the three eyes. Oh, how dare you? And then there's a bit where he's just chatting to himself. Well, you think he's talking to somebody, but it pans out. He's in an empty locker room. He's talking by himself. <laughs> well, where's the room? That guy can't be, a girl can't be just friends. And then just Joe shows up again. He, he separately tells both Triple H and Angle someone wants to see them out in the parking lot. <laughs> And so when they get out there, the only other person they can see is themselves. They think it's the other one setting up, like the other one wants a fight. And then a limo just pulls up and parts the two of them, like, oh, who's in the limo? Mm. That's the commercial rate. They come back, like, oh, we understand that both Kurt Angle and Triple H are inside that limo. And later on, they open, the door the door opens, Triple H steps out, Kurt Angle steps out, and Vince steps, steps out. <laughs> and basically, Vince isn't there as Mr. Man. Vince is there as a da, basically, like, now I don't ever. Want to hear anybody upsetting my daughter again? When my little girl calls me crying, like that's when I have to draw the line. So if either of you ever make Stephanie feel that way again, well, you may not want to be in the World Wrestling Federation, less much less its champion. Mm. And then Vince typically like fucking behave yourself. Uh, <coughs> basically, Vince steps in in Dan mode, not Vince Mister McMahon mode. No. Which. Which is interesting, considering yeah. the minute he made himself known in the WWF, well, WWE again, his daughter went, nah, fuck that. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out, man. Uh, so, yeah, it's a decent enough triple uh, six-man tag. Uh, that's pretty down when uh, they set up for the what's up and Bubba lifts Triple H up. He yeah. hits him the referee. No, it's all taken out. They do they go for the get the tables rock crabs. Shane is the early set up a table on the outside. They whip it. Shane. And then it come Edge and Christian and give a concerto to Bubba Ray Dudley. Yeah. And everything. Uh, low blow. But three, basically, the match is a no contest. It's a 3-1 beat down the rock to close the show. Yeah. Also, this show is where the official announcement was made of the TLC match. Mm. Because after an art match with RTC, uh, Edge and Christian went to go hit Leah with chairs, Matt Caesar, but yeah. they get Magus beat down and given an unprettier on the chair. I've seen. Yeah. Yeah, they still agree with that. And then they come back out with their chairs and say, we're having a sit-down protest. <laughs> yeah. This is a totally unfair treatment from Mick Foley. And it's just so unfair. I mean, where did they get off? Do, he didn't do anything. When the Hardys and the Dudleys attacked us with ladders and tables last week. <laughs> and I remember actually seeing a clip randomly with Christian talking about this. And you can see it more so when he's talking. Basically, he starts fluffing and pausing and he's looking back at Edge. Because he legit forgot what he was supposed to say. <laughs> and even Gojo's bigger like, what the hell is he talking about? There's a bit where he looks back at Edge and sees Mick moving basically, like he's trying to tell him what he should say. But it's like, and if this unfair treatment doesn't, doesn't stop from Mick Foley, there will be extreme ramifications. <laughs> and then out comes. I never knew you could conjoin ramifications and repercussions yeah. into yeah. one word. Ramifications. Wow. And then again, Foley comes out again, maybe talks to get more about testicular forging. He goes like, You, I'll make sure 
there's a Dudley's and the Hardys will not be able to interfere in your match at SummerSlam with tables, ladders, or chairs because they will be they will be competing in your match with tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my! Mm. He starts doing the tables, ladders, chairs. Oh my! Oh my! Oh my! Oh no! Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to think. There's, there's other stuff I could basically talk about when it comes to the show itself, or they replay it. But those are the main things from Raw. They don't do a recap; they just have the man to come out and show you again. Yeah, on the that, yeah, yeah. That was a fun. That was a fun part. Like, yeah. hey, let's let's show you a video package of this thing that we just showed you in a video package, just to rub in the fact that we're pricks. Yay! <laughs> it's Shane, Stephanie, Triple H, and Angle all come out to the ring. Uh, you know. The conspiracy is gone, but Shane's there got another heel group he can associate with. Like, this is to the regime what the fucking the core was to the Nexus. Yeah. <laughs> you ever noticed that Shane just hung around, kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, like something you hadn't caught when you blow your nose, you know? <laughs> just that, li- that little piece of nose gold that hangs just and you've got something to say, you ain't blowing your nose right. That's Shane. I've heard that referred to as a bat in the cave, Weasley thing well, wrangling. Well, yes, Shane is the bat. Mm-hmm. Not the Batman, just the bat. No, he's just he he is unmined nose gold. <laughs> and he goes, I love this little thing from the crowd where if it, when Shane starts he's talking, when Shane starts talking, he goes, "What word do you think of when you think of the McMahon family?" Asshole, asshole. <laughs> Like, and of course that continues all the time with Shane's trying to talk. He's like, no, not that word. You think of intensity, integrity, or whatever. You know, ruthlessness, all that other crap. But, you know, we think we believe in strong family values. So I have more than one family. I have my real family, my blood family, Stephanie, my beautiful sister. I have my extended family, my brother-in-law, Triple H, and my professional family, your Olympic hero and mine, Kurt Angle. <laughs> And then they also give the show the footage from Raw, the beat down on the rock. And then Stephanie, uh, Stephanie comes down and goes, Thank you, Shay. Slut, slut, slut. Yep. And basically, it felt so good to be all back on the same page. But what make me feel even better is if you guys bury the hatchet and shake hands and apologize to each other. And so they go, they do apologize. Yeah. Yeah. But they but do in so. The most, the most um, Unapologetic way. I was going to say very passive-aggressive. Yeah, very passive-aggressive. Uh, Triple H, I'm sorry for calling you a loser and reminding everyone that you used to wrestle in, in hog pen matches. Uh, I'm sorry for you know, calling you on you names and reminding everyone that you cried like a broad when you won the Olympic gold. Yeah. Sorry, man, but you did. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm sorry for, you know, calling you names <laughs> and Calling you out for crying <laughs> when you on your little podium, crying like a broad. Sorry, man, you were. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I mean, I, I myself, I am a four-time WWF World Heavyweight Champion, and I'm sorry, but you just, you just aren't good enough yet to win one. Yeah. You haven't even come cl- have a chance to come close to becoming the champion yet. So I'm, I'm sorry, man. When they showed the footage, I should mention there was that they freeze frame it with like Shane holding up in Triple H angle time. Like, there's the 2008 man Christmas photo. <laughs> and uh, when Foley comes out, he goes, So you were so gracious to show us your Christmas card, Foley. People know that, you know, old Nick, you know, old Mick, he loves Christmas. 
I thought I'm going to leave my decorations up all year round. Which is which is a little bit of truth as yeah, well, because yeah. Mick Foley is obsessed with Christmas and collects a lot of Christmas shit. He does, yeah. Yeah. He goes, well, you, if you'll indulge me, I'd like to show you the Mick Foley family Christmas photo. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a free frame of Angle kissing Stephanie on cheek on Raw. Fucking stirring the shit as old Mick Foley. Uh, well, you've got, you've got Mick coming out with publicly stirring the shit. Yeah. You've got just Job, you know, yeah. he's got stirring. Uh, and so he goes, you know, The Rock, you know, was very, very angry about what happened on Raw. I have a little statement from The Rock. It says, Mick, I really don't care how many of them there are. All I care about is getting to lay the smackdown on all their candy asses <laughs> tonight. And it would be unfair of me to give all of you against The Rock at the same time. So I want all of you to decide. It makes this reference to the show Survivor. Like, it's time yeah. for you to choose one. And vote somebody off the island. <laughs> and he tries to keep Kurt Angle. Do you, so you must choose. Will it be Kurt Angle versus The Rock? Eh. <laughs> will it be Triple H versus The Rock? Eh. Will it be Shane McMahon? Eh. <laughs> people want to see Shane get beat up. Yeah. But then weirdly. Well, naturally. You know, or maybe we'll have champion versus champion. And have Stephanie versus the Rock. And Kurt really like, oh, uh, we like the sound of that. We want the Rock to win the women's title. <laughs> the Rock is the champion of the people. Women are people, so the Rock should be the women's champion. He should. He should have all the champions yes. because he is the people's champion. The women peoples, the men peoples. All of the peoples. If there was, if there was a junior title, he'd win that one too because the kiddies are peoples, the women's are peoples, the I mean, men's are peoples. I mean, there's a light heavyweight belt, but nobody cares about that. Not even The Rock cares about the light heavyweight title. People used to care. Yeah, but not anymore. Not anymore. Not, not since they did bad things to it. Speaking of bad things, uh, I put this is legit. I summed this next bit up in five words. Five words? Yes, five. Terry and the cat talk? Question mark. Yeah, it's like oh, I, I can I can do this, but just easily they they talk. Uh huh. No one really pays attention to what they say, and then the cat. No wait. Terry grabs the cat's hair, and then the cat grabs Terry's hair, and one of them go, "Let go of my hair! You let go of my hair!" And then Terry pushes the cat on her arse and storms out. And that whole mess is done. That yeah. about the size of what that? Yeah, like yeah. Call each other tramp and trash, you know, as women do. Yeah. Uh, and don't, Spe- uh, especially fem- female wrestlers of that era. Yeah. You know, because, you know, and in, in that the, era. The Cat and Terry are wrestlers? Apparently so, but remember in that era when you said women wrestlers apart from people like like Trish could wrestle, uh-huh. Rita could wrestle. Mm hmm. I'm sure there was a couple other ones in there that could wrestle. Depending on the opponent, China could wrestle. Yeah, China. Yeah, depending on the opponent, China could wrestle. But you know, a lot of the time with the with the women's division, then you had to use the little quotation marks. You know, was women wrestlers and not was you know was dancing girls that are in a wrestling ring. Yeah, this era really did take the word wrestling with some of the women and. Stretch it to its loosest definition. Yeah, I mean, just look at Sable. I'd rather not. Yeah. But leave, yeah. That, leave that to Brock. <laughs> yeah. Don't let Brock like, catch you looking at Sable. He'll rip your head off. Literally. Don't, don't, let, don't, let, don't let Brock catch you talking shade about his missus. He'll kill you. 
If only that's Brock... why if he ever listens to this, you all tell him it was you. This is why I like the fact that Brock lives out in the middle of nowhere and doesn't really have much access to it. He can't access a podcast, which means he'll never hear what I said. Yeah, but he he does he does like to hunt and shoot things. <laughs> he does. Would you, yeah. would you like to be at the end of his gun for dissing his wife? Yeah, I've seen no. the kind of guns he doesn't use regular guns. He has proper fucking automatic guns yeah, as well. Yeah, he, he's a he's a he's a hot, he's a hot red blooded carnivorous big beastie that yes. shoots things. I've seen. He is one of the gents I've seen. I've seen him uh-huh. standing, well, crouching proudly over a thing that he is just slain and going, ha I killed this thing. With my bare hands. Yes, because I ran out of bullets trying to chase the bastard. <laughs> so I just killed it. F5, done. <laughs> I now that I've said that, I'd love to see Brock Lesnar F5 in a deer or something. You just did nature documentary of Brock hunting, hunting things out up in his land, which is a David Ambersdale. And here we see the most deadly predator of all, the mighty Brock Lesnar. If he runs out of bullets, he is more capable of taking out prey with his bare hands. His favourite tool, the F5. Yes. Anyway. Brock Lesnar. If, if women aren't going to the trash, though, they are talking about men, because, like, also you mentioned the Al Snow match last week where yeah. like, Perry and Terry won. Huh? Perry and Terry. Perry, Terry. That's the only good thing about their team that you can rhyme with Perry and Terry. Well, that and the fact that, like, Perry Saturn isn't tagging with a mop yet. A mop had more charisma. Although, and fucking the cat in this segment makes fun of fucking Perry Saturn being cross-eyed, basically. Or having at least one Y that's wandering. And, uh, you know, like, well, at least I can keep him, man. Like, oh, and this... Oh, yeah, I I know, I know, I know. It was painful. It was trashy. It took women's wrestling back about a million years in that one segment. Backstage, Angle and Triple H are arguing about who should fight the Rock. Yeah, we'll come back to that later. Well, clearly, I should be the one that does it. And Shane leaves them both to try to sell it themselves. Gat uh, has Rikishi as our mystery partner. Take on Teddy and Perry. Uh, can you can you even I mean apart from Rikishi and Perry Sarton can you really call this a match not really no I mean no. the most interesting that happens between Kerry, uh, Terry and the cat is that the cat's heel breaks and so much so the referee has to grab it and like get rid of it uh, the ring yeah it's so, a real, real danger when you're wrestling in heels I don't, I don't know why you would wrestle in heels but like imagine like she's uncoordinated enough as it is now walking around with one broken heel is not going to really help your wrestling ability no no Terry, I think Terry hits a no. I think it's a cat that hits a clothesline, but they hit, she hits it as if she's walking through wet cement to hit another person who's stuck in wet cement. It's only fucking speeds up when you're watching at one point five speed by comparison when Perry gets in there diving over the top rope trying to dive one of Rikishi. Yeah, see, that is the difference. Perry and Rikishi could you know wrestle. Then mm-hmm. obviously the cat and that get back in for some reason. The cat takes a clothesline from Perry Saturn. Terry wrote pins are throw. The heels have won again. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. So, is this going to be a running thing? Like, every week the cat just tries to find a partner until she can actually win a match against Terry? Most probably. Most probably. Most probably. But then, post match, Rikishi hits the Rikishi driver on a pair of and sets him up for the thick face. But then Terry gets in, set in the corner, and she Terry. And slaps Rikishi on the ass, I think. And uh, she fucking spanks Rikishi, so he's, he's had a bit of a smack and all, and then he's in the middle of the ring, and he's got uh, Skanky McGee there, oh, sorry, Terry, and Terry and Perry either side, and he's like, hmm, 
Will I rub my arse in his face? Or will I rub my arse in her face? And then he, he, he goes, Ooh, I'm going to rub my arse in her face. <laughs> you know? Maybe, maybe it will make her smell more pleasant. I don't know. But he does, and he gives her a good extended stink face. And she crawls about the ring. You know, ex expertly crawling about so that front row behind her can get a good look at her arse, as she did. You know, that was that was her signature move. Mm -hmm. You know. That's why you play with Terry on there say, press B for a signature move. Terry employs crawl. It has minimal effect. Yes. Shoulders down, arse up, crawl a bit. That's the way you get your paycheck, Terry. You Maybe you should have just stayed in the director's chair, huh? It's, it's funny as it is to watch Perry get stink faced by Rikishi, it is setting up an abomination for a fucking SummerSlam mm. where the cat and Terry will have a singles match. Yeah. Not just any kind of match. A stink face match. <sighs> we have to beat somebody by giving them a stink face. Yay. You can I, I, there, are, there are no words. A black marker, an otherwise great SummerSlam. There are no words. Uh, Angle and Triple H are still arguing like, you know, I won the Olympic medals with a broken... Oh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard you gotta, him. You got to love Triple H that era. Like, oh, shut, shut up. up. <laughs> and then Triple H, she and was like, no, guys, I got a great plan. <clears throat> I'm going to take on The Rock tonight. <laughs> like, what are you talking about, <laughs> So yeah, she's black, great plan, and let them sort out, and then suddenly you'll not nah, fuck it. I want to fight the rock tonight. Yeah. We got Eddie Guerrero and Val Venus for the Intercontinental Championship. Yep. Val retained the IC title against Chris Jericho on Raw, thanks to interference from Chris Benoit. What a surprise! Which continues that feud. Uh, I really thought I would have more to say about this match, but you know, I think I preferred their match at King of the Ring. But yeah, there wasn't really much to say. I mean, it was a standard fight between Val and Eddie, but yeah. you know, people were more interested in the what eventually transpired outside the ring. Mm -hmm. There was obviously there was a tension between uh, China and Trish, yeah. which ultimately led to Trish smacking China over the back of the dome with a with a glass vase because you know there's always a glass vase so I think it was like a war picture or anything like you had the metal one last week King got busted open and then you have that like cause the commentator stopped bringing hard or breakable objects to commentary because whenever you do something always is, goes wrong aye somebody gets twatted with it aye please stop it we're having we can't have any more of these workplace accidents no no more but I don't know about you, but there was a thing last week with the the incident and the makeup room where yeah, yeah, being confronted yeah. in that. No, sorry, and, we don't have the sandblaster here to blast off your wrinkles, Trish. And this, there was that thing I told you about on a raw where China took Eddie's place that he got taken out and Tajimi took against Val and TNA. Uh, just I, I don't know why, but it feels like China's feuding with Val rather than Eddie feuding with Val, or like Eddie and China feuding with Val and Trish. I really just feel like the feud is with, with China and Val. I don't know yeah. if that's intentional or not. Because mm. China obviously kind of mixes it up with people like, like Val Venus. But, yeah, Eddie, Eddie and that have a good back and forth match. Val drops Eddie across the barricade at one point and then he shoves China. So China kind of gets retribution as Val rolls Eddie into the yeah. ring. He gets up from the chair, goes up behind him, powerbombs him on the outside, which looks like a suck to take. Yeah, well... China was either body or 
stiff. Mm-hmm. And China, when she done power moves, was she was pretty stiff. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's so much a lack of wrestling ability. She had it. She was just, she was just a bit awkward at times mm-hmm. in the ring. Yeah, you know, I don't. I mean. I totally get why China is respected and revered as she as she is because she was a pioneer. Yeah, you know, especially in that era. Mm-hmm. Uh, like she was a prototype to the kind of rest women wrestlers that I really appreciate now, like Jordan Grace, Rhea Ripley. Mm-hmm. You know, other ones, Savannah Evans yeah. from Impact Wrestling. Also, she's cool as fuck. You know, there's lots of women powerful women wrestlers now with all like that blueprint from china who was like the first to my knowledge anyway the first woman to hold a male title yeah you know so it's very cool you know how wcw <coughs> like to read like they copy things every after you know wcw copied china winning that by giving medusa a key eligible a cruiserweight title for a month yeah in wcw she won it from evan courageous <laughs> Who the fuck was Evan Courageous? He was the third one in bloody three count. When you're the most forgettable of a group that features Shannon Moore, who himself is forgettable, and the most memorable one is Shane Helms. Hey, I, rem- I remember Shannon Moore. He was Matt Hardy's little bitch when I mean, he was version one. I mean, Shane is also the most successful one because he was a hurricane and all that. But, like, Shannon Moore himself didn't accomplish much. But, like, when you make Shannon Moore look relevant by comparison... I think mainly because he was the only one who didn't go from WCW to WWE or like appear on like main yeah. WWE TV to Evan Courageous. Evan, well, with a name like Evan Courageous, if he did make it to WWE, he would have immediately went, now nah, you've got to it fix was, that it fucking name. Evan Courageous with a K. Courageous with a K. Is that Russell's idea? No, that was just his name. Jesus, man. That was just what you wrestled us. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, Val tries to the thing with the big war dogs smashing against China's head. It's a good clatter she gave up. Oh yeah, that glass breaks like no yeah, That was a good clatter. She got her right in the top of her head too. Mm-hmm. She's getting like, but don't. <laughs> you always think she would jump to stand on her tiptoes to that fucking tall. Just, no, I <laughs> 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 sure she's wee totty trash, yeah. big tall China. What? Just gets a wee folding chair. Just hold on, one second. Just keep looking at the ring. Don't turn around at all. Sits on the chair. Jack China. Should have climbed on the announce table and just went watch <laughs> smack. Anyway, so that happens. Val takes the, gets a roll up. I believe after that, I really miss what happened. Well, yeah, yeah, one yeah, minute, she, one she, minute I'm watching that. The next thing, Val's pinning Eddie. I don't know how. No, she gets smacked in the dome. China yeah. gets smacked, knocked out outside and. As Eddie's, you know, looking over the rope just to check on China, Val rolls him up quick. You know, I don't know, I couldn't remember if he grabbed tights or whatever, yeah. but he rolled him up quick, leaned on him, got the three, and that was that. Yeah. Another heel win, but I will accept it for the simple fact that it was a clean win. Yeah. Because what happened outside the ring yeah. was outside the ring. It was a clean, mm-hmm. I didn't like the result, but I, ex- yeah. I respect the fact that it was clean. To an extent, yeah. But Val gets the win. Uh, we'll come back to them in a second, but first we have Stephanie for uh, Shane in the locker room. Like, she's got this big plan to take out The Rock. She's going to fight The Rock tonight. And Shane is going to be like, absolutely fucking not. Yeah, like, no. I'm like, I've got this plan, but all, all, all four of us, you know, we need to go on the same page. 
And basically, this and the second that follows the, when they come back into the McMahon like dressing room is basically a case of like she, her trying to speak like no woman was your idea. Please stop. We will not let you wrestle this match. Yeah, yeah like yeah, but I've got this great plan. No, 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 shush, 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 shush. Yeah, but well, fall forward, good. Just, okay. <laughs> That's basically what's been happening. And then we have Commissioner following his ever roaming, or roaming office. Yeah. And Shayna comes in, obviously still wet and everything. She like, she's like, I want to get my hands on Trish Stratus. I want her tonight. I'm like, well, I can't let you book because book you a single match with Trish tonight. One, well, you know, you're so wet. And so you know you would. She's so small compared to you. You you'd kill her, but but and then he starts going into weird detail. Like Mick Foley seems to fancy China giving this funny yeah. thing. But then he says like, "How about this? How about I book a mixed tag team match for SummerSlam? Val Venus and Trish Stratus against you and Eddie Guerrero." I'm like, hey, I'll do just fine. <laughs> but it didn't happen here. But it gets, I assume maybe on Raw this laughing. But this tag match eventually gets being made for the Intercontinental Title. Mm-hmm. Which uh, it's an interesting development in the Eddie China relationship. Oh, I'll bet, I'll yes, bet. Yes. And uh, we'll almost spell the end for the China for the uh, Val Venus Trish relationship as well. Yeah. End for the Val and Trish relationship, and end for Latino Heat and his mamacita. Really? I wonder if we could have pushed that any further than we did. Though I mean, it was good, but it was getting to yeah. the end of his run. Yeah. There's only there's only so far you guys as good as a gimmick is, there's only so far I'll stretch. Yeah. They said we'll put this on ice for a few for twenty years and then we'll come back when uh, Eddie's actual son Dominic meets a large woman with yeah. China S qualities. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> when you really look at it, it's a more it's a much more BDSM esque gothy version of the China Eddie relationship. I've got to be honest, well, I really want to see an Iron Man match between Rhea and Solo. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, because she's a beast and we know he's a fucking beast. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I, I like Solo. I like Rhea getting rolling around during that Raw Titeo match. Like Jimmy's throwing kicks all Jay's throwing kicks all around and then she gets out and kind of pauses for a second. He's like, oh. I think it's much like China. China didn't get any comeuppance physically for a while. I think it was like it took a year before Austin finally gave her, a, gave her a stunner and the crowd popped for that. So I think they're building to the person who will eventually just like, oh, fuck this and just oh, gives, hits a move on, like a male wrestler hitting a move on Rhea. Who that will be, I don't know. I could see I could see Drew just doing him and just Drew going, ah, oh, fuck this, just headbutt. Although, I think she, I think she'd like it. <laughs> you know, Rhea's a sort. She's like, right, finally having an excuse to kick fuck out. You know, good. Uh, a weird. I mean, how how long how long has it been since we actually seen anything significant for Luke Gallows since you slammed him? Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's been he's been sheepish with his tail between his legs since Rhea slammed him. Uh, a weird six man tag up next. The EPA team would crash Holly against Bossman and Kai. I know, right so- and. God damn it, Kai and Ty looked competent as a team in there and see they just carry on. Aye. What do you think? What do you still going strong in New Japan. He was part of the Suzuki Gun stable, but then they broke up. But he's took a couple of the other members of that. He took three members of the former Suzuki Gun and himself to form a new group, which is called, called Just Four Guys. Just Four Guys. Or when they're teaming out, just a tag match, just two of them. They're just two guys, or they're just three. And I joke, I say my friend Grant, who also likes Japan, Japanese wrestling, I'm like, what happens when it's just one of them? Is it just, just that guy? Just, just a guy. A, it's just Taka. 
Just that guy. <laughs> but uh, just that's what you'll call it. This is just Taka. Just Taka. Just Taka. So this is just a Taka. Look at this guy. <laughs> 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 but yeah, EP apparently the uh, character gave him a bad check. So on Raw, they're like, we are. You know, they're playing up the whole world, you can't speak English very well, so you attack a doing most of like, we're very sorry for that, we, we have money, and Tiger goes, and beer. Yeah. And every, so Tiger will talk, and every so often, Vidaki would say with, and beer. And beer. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, so basically, they, they take APA out to the friendly tap, you know, Tim White's bar. Yeah. You know, they're buying them drinks on it, they're getting a bit too pissed, everything, like, they're making jokes, like, we want to take you guys out, like, what do you say? I think he wants to take you out or on the night on the town there. I'm not going out with a guy like, oh no, he wants to buy you a drink. Right, sure. <laughs> and like, oh, they make a joke about sake. Oh, we got some sake. Like, I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> and just, Brazil being an arsehole to them the whole night, they tell the guy so he finally gets a bit too pissed and throws up on them. So the AP get battered at Kai Tai. Poor guys. And then apparently, I'm assuming he's on like Sunday night heat and all that shit. Bossman's in a feud with, uh, with Crash Holly because he doesn't like that Crash is small. Yeah, well, Bossman didn't really need a good reason for disliking someone in this area. He just thought, well, fuck you, I'm going to attack you. I mean, he started a feud with Big Show just be for being sad that his dad was dying. Aye, aye. Yeah. <laughs> he, think... he made Al Snow eat his dog. Uh, Bossman will be on the B shows for a couple more months before getting a really bad leg injury. And then that would take him out until right at the end of the invasion. And then he comes back. I only know that because we were planning on doing the Royal Rumble 2002 at some point. Yeah. And Bossman is in that. Like, why is Bossman still around in 2002? Like, oh yeah, he missed a year with injury. Now he's back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, at this point, like, the last time that Bossman was really, you know, significant, and it's a shame we didn't go with it, is when he was tagging with Bill Buchanan. Yeah, pretty much. You know? And if, if I remember rightly as to what I was... Uh, because I was reading up on Bill Buchanan today on Wikipedia, mm-hmm. and I didn't realise that it was uh, Bossman mm-hmm. attacking him, which broke up that team and ended up because they had a they had one of those ones where they lost the match and they were mm-hmm. arguing amongst each other, and Bossman twatted him with a nightstick when he turned his back, mm-hmm. and then he would go back to Ohio Valley and come back as B squared, <laughs> yeah, B squared. <laughs> So they come down to the ring, the boss man and Inkaritai, and boss man gets on the microphone like, Bradshaw, I am disgusted with you, Chip. There's nothing I hate more than a bully. Will you, the way you treated my little Chinese friend, still like, we're Japanese, shut up. I'm here to teach you all this about being a bully. <laughs> and then, because he knows about that. And like, yeah, like, talk about. Michael Cole not getting a subtlety, yeah. like, talk about bully. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, the other COVID team, like, they do, like, a crucifix drop kick uh, combo on Farouk at one point, which looked quite, in, quite nice. Uh, Crash tries to break up a pin, uh, gets big booted for his troubles. Crash ends up getting worked over, but then Bossman eventually just tags out and fucks off. Yeah, believing Kaitai there, but Kaitai would do well. Like that is some like motion that crash the Mitsunoku driver and everything, and then just out come Fraser for slam. Fucking Taka takes a fucking dominator. Dominator gets a power bomb at one point as well. Really nasty looking one from Brazil. Yeah, they just grab crash throw him on 
the thing onto the other one. Cows gets up and still when the turns around and just sees it grabs her own Fruger halfway up the fucking ramp like, Where are you going? Come on. Aren't you celebrating? Aren't you gonna celebrate with your little pal Elroy? Uh so then yeah, this means again, continuing the thing machine instead where you come back in where he brings Angle and Triple's like Okay, listen, if you really listen to my plan, like, no, no, we already said, you're not, you're not fighting the rally. We've all talked, like, yeah, but guys, I really think my plan's good. Like, just, shh. He's like, hush, woman. <laughs> it's like, oh, we, it is. Like, we've, we decided, we've already agreed amongst ourselves who's going to fight Triple H. And goes like, we have? Yeah. Like, who's going to fight Triple H? <laughs> I can't know, we haven't. We're all agreed who's going to fight the rock. And I'm like, we have? He's like, yeah, we're now, it's going to be Triple H against the rock. And Angle's like, Angle gets all failing. Well, uh, this goes back to what happened on Raw, isn't it? You're still questioning my intention. You're still questioning my intention with your sister. Like, I can't believe you. my feelings are hurt. I mean, he just storms off. Yeah, he's like, he's like, not gonna beat an Ed Stephanie catches him backstage when he's got his figures. He's like, where are you going? He's like, look, I'm not gonna stay where I'm not wanted. <laughs> going, Stephanie. Going. And Triple H with a big shitting grin on his face, like uh, he's leaving. I get to beat up the rock. <laughs> life well, is I'm good. Not, life is good. Life is good when you're the game. Shagging the boss man's wife. I'm the champion. The big boss. He's shagging the big boss man's wife. I mean the actual boss man, not the not the wrestler boss man. I mean big. Okay, big see, I miss, I miss, I miss that scandal. Jesus. No, he's humping the boss's wife. Yeah, the boss's daughter. daughter. See, you're getting me confuddled now. But he's humping the boss's daughter. He's a champion. He's got that wee toady and prick Shane sniffing about his boots. Well, he's not a champion yet. He has been a champion, but yeah, nah, you know what I mean. You know, uh, he's getting to beat up the Rock. He's still got his hair. <laughs> Life is good for him, <laughs> and he's still built like a brick wall. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was one of my favorite things about that era. See, when he was making his entrance in, <laughs> see just the lights hitting him on just at the top of the rampway, <laughs> and you would look at him and go, "Bye." God, he's huge. Because <laughs> at that point, yeah, he was pretty huge. He was, he was, you know, muscular and veiny. He's probably still muscular and veiny, but not as much now because he doesn't have to be quite yeah. as big as he was. Yeah. He's big, but he's not quite as veiny, I don't think. I wouldn't think that. The uh, commentators plug these four new editions of TV Guide to alternate covers of The Cat, Chris Jericho, Kurt Angle and Rikishi. It's weird, when you put them all together, basically the three guys are all pulling one rope, one side and cats come out the other thing. I'm like, that's really unfair. Surely, surely it should be these three against Rikishi. Yeah. That's really unfair on the cat. Is that TV Guide covers? Yeah, the covers of the, the TV I'll have to find those. They've been going on and kind of like, oh, those are, those are going to be collector's items. I thought, like, I know a guy who would like to collect those. Yeah, I've got, I've got to find those. Hmm. God, you think if anyone has them, if they're selling them, they're going to be selling them for a fair amount, I think, at this at this stage. I'll find a way. There is always a way. I didn't sound sinister at all. I, I was just meaning I would offer them, you know, some biscuits. That, is that really a valid form of currency on like, bloody... on uh, eBay? They'd be nice biscuits. <laughs> You email, you send me this via the mail or eBay, I will send you some biscuits. Yeah, some nice biscuits. You know, like bourbon creams or something, <laughs> or, a, or, a, or a mint Viscount. Ooh, a mint Viscount. Mm. Or some yo-yos. Or a caramel log. Ooh, those yeah. are lovely. Send him some yo-yos. But he doesn't like the mint ones, he only likes the toffee ones. Don't make yo-yos at him, do you need to make me sad? Yes. I like yo-yos. They're one of my favourite biscuits, and now they don't exist anymore. They have gone the same way as the bacon pot noodle. 
Okay. You know, I, I have many food bugaboos, you know, in the sense that I loved food and then they took it away from me. My bacon pot noodle and my yo-yos and my iron brew, it doesn't suck. Damn it. I like iron brew extra. Yeah, that, that never changed. That's always the same, but actual iron brew sucks now. Well, it doesn't suck, but it's... Well, yeah, it does suck. Fuck, fucking yes. I'm getting a complex now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, this big TV. There's not many weird adverts on this show, but there's a couple coming up later on. But uh, Chris Jericho joins commentary. He's one of the biggest pots of the night, but does weirdly just have to sound commentary. But here's another thing. Did you know some weird stuff with the audio on this SmackDown? Um, <coughs> not to my knowledge. I mean, I've watched the show. I didn't really notice the audio odd. The only thing... Are you meaning, like, commentary audio? A little bit of contrary, every song, like, there are bits where you can tell it's the crowd being all hyped up, but then there are other times where there's had that weird uh, wave sound, oh. the crowd, it does feel like it's been piped down, every, just every so often. But then also the contrary, like, there are also points where they're throwing stuff in post because Smackdown's tear and sometimes it's live, yeah, but yeah. sometimes you can tell something you can't, but I don't know why, but for this episode of Smackdown, it just, it felt more obvious, basically when Michael Cole was saying a line that he recorded in post and not a live one. Yeah. It just felt more obvious and more important. contrived. Yeah. Yeah. I think is the, the word to use in that yeah. situation. Yeah. It's all about like, like Chris Benoit. I was Chris Benoit. And then I always say, uh, I was Chris Benoit. I'm going to do when he fights Chris Jericho when he gets his sound like Chris. It just it made me of like when they did that bit in Simpsons. Yeah, it'd be great to get to see, go to the Super Bowl and see the Atlanta Falcons. Or the Denver Broncos. Oh, we're going to get tickets for. Let land the Falcons. <laughs> it just seemed more obvious than usual, but this is a metal weird matchup. Chris Benoit is challenging Steve Blackman for the hardcore title. Well, that little prick scurrying around the ring outside. <laughs> but yeah, this is not a combination I would have I would have put together. But there you go. No, because you know, you, the match would never end if it was legit. Mm. Because you know, Benoit was legitimately psycho and. Technically insanely good in the ring. Mm -hmm. Blackman could beat you up in his sleep if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Properly properly programmed that match would have been intense. You know? You know, properly done, you know, with a legit stipulation Mm -hmm. without that little fat prick running around outside of the ring. You know, what's funny about this, this ends the long streak of Blackman Harker matches and that there's not a fire extinguisher to be found. No, just kendo sticks and... And lids. And lids. Kendo sticks and lids. Yeah. And a steel chair. Yeah. Billy <laughs> Blackman goes for his favourite. He uses trash can lid. It is madly effective. Yes. It further adds the trauma of uh, of Chris Benoit, who doesn't make help himself watching back in hindsight when he goes out and gets a leather strap and ties it around the neck of... Of Steve Blackman, yeah. throwing him into the into the barricade, throwing him over, and everything, trying to choke him. It's it's, it's not a, it's not a pretty sight to look at. No, no, it's not. I mean, you can stand up some of these other ones, but like, who the fuck is leaving leather straps under their thing? What kind of sicko is it? Benoit probably brought that himself and just like, I'll just plug that there so I know where it is for later. Yes, that's what I'll do. That's <laughs> what I'll do. I like this bit here because like Benoit gets a big like kind of and then. Uh, Blackman goes to his bag because those mean sticks he weighs in the way I just created the same way commentary does his martial arts sticks oh. 
He's, he's spinny, flippy. Ooh, I'm waving these in front of your eyes to make you fuddled sticks. Yes. Uh, and then, I'm the same thing make when Shane does get involved, he leaps up and just whacks Blackman in the back of the head with I a candlestick. We prick. He fucking whacks Blackman and then he puts a candlestick and tries to, like, fucking. You can tell he can't left Blackman because he's like, oh, rolling him into the ring and he's like, oh, go, go, Ben. Uh, and fucking Benoit goes for the fucking, you know, the cross face. <laughs> And he's got it locked in. Jerry goes on commentary. And he's like, "Okay, yep, that's enough of that." You hear him putting his headset down. He gets in the ring, steel chair in hand, and fucks Benoit right on the dome with a fucking chair. And I think, just from viewing it, I think he might have caught Blackman just a wee touch as well because yeah. Blackman looked like he had a sword he'd have to lie. Oh yeah, but it looked like Jerry go just took the chair and went, fuck it, bang, and clipped both of them. <laughs> but he got it, and then he just kind of threw Blackman on him, and he's like, "Right, let it go." Still get your title, despite these cheating wee bastards. So like, when the Blackman still gets attacked afterwards by Ben while walking the crossways as Sergeant Slaughter and a bunch of useless referees try and pull him away. Like, no, please, stop that. No, don't. No, I'll come, I'll come stop. Back. I was thinking about saying about Blackman <laughs> later on, but I'll come back to it. But yeah, but just say enough of a, of a hardcore, hardcore bitch. Uh, Angle, like he said, does that bit where he's telling stuff like, what if my feelings are hurt? I'm not going to stick around, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And now, the lugs, bit of the week, brought to you by a weird computer generated, weird even for 2000, graphic a guy in lugs hanging, jumping around a steel cage. Wow. To show you the stuff that Eddie Christian did to the Dudleys and, and Matt Hardy on Raw. Yeah. You, you remember that show Reboot? A weird computer generated like animated show. I remember that. Was that the thing that when you was that the thing when a person in the outside world plugged a game into a machine and the people in the game machine had to do stuff or some shit? I don't remember. I know. I just remember the weird animation computer generated like yeah, animation. Yeah, I, re- I remember a program of like I used to watch. I think it. it's called Reboot. So yeah, Lugs try British themselves as a cool foot brand with their weird reboot style. Yeah, Lugs. <laughs> And then out come Eddie Christian for their match. They're taking on Jeff and Yvonne because the other two partners are a bit otherwise indisposed because they're injured. Well, you see, you know, you see the Dudleys come out and you see the massive fucking shiner that Bubba's got. It's not so much a black eye as a, oh my Christ, that looks so high. Like, they start complaining about the TLC match and they're like, we were not be referring to this. As a tables, ladders, chairs, crowd. Oh my! <laughs> Look at a Wizard of Oz reference mentioned to get over in 2000. This is how. Oh, yes, yes. This is how big fucking the WF is in 2000. But like, the TLC, as far as we're concerned, stand for totally lacking in coolness. <laughs> totally lacking in coolness. So, Jeff and Devo actually do work well together, even having their own variation of the What's Up. Yeah. It's, it was all going very well until the end portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, what they try to even do to get the tails, but that leader allows Edge to sneak in and hit a low blow on Yeah. Jeff. But that makes sense that Edge Pretty Christian... vicious looking low blow. That makes sense that Edge Christian should get the one because basically it's a mismatched tag team of two other tag teams who, not long before this, were, had their own little feud and their own issues. So, of course, yeah. they should not be getting along and also symbolises that that's every team for themselves when it comes to TLC. Yeah. Uh, they go... Jeff goes to do his thing that he always does, uh, which annoys me a bit when Jeff like helps in time matches where someone quote, quote, quote his partner for 
then Jeff goes to do a swan on illegally usually. So the fact that Edge moved and caused Jeff to land on Devil, I think it's a bit of karmatic justice. I think so. I yeah. think so. But that's, that's what you get, Jeff. It came back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Because you landed on your tag partner, you dick. Um, too, too many drugs. <laughs> Grissom grabs Jeff, throws him out, Edge makes the pin, and then the Dudleys and Hardy are shoving and punching each other as Edge and Christian are walking the ramp and laughing. Yeah. Ha 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 ha. Something like that. Good thing you didn't try to do that in 2011. Mm. Wasn't that when Victory Road was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When he had his little little bugaboo, you know. Oh. Kane is waiting in by a garage door for his brother. And all of a sudden they pan up all the way up to the tire. There can only be one person, but it's not until they get the, the wider shot the, after this pan up where it's his upper body's face. And everyone goes, that's Kane. Like you couldn't tell already. You couldn't tell who that was before. And he's very cool reverse attire as well. Yes, yes. Because well, that's because he's that's because he's, you know, about a bit weird. Mm. We really choose to do that way. Because like the last time I saw him, that was like towards the end of his VX. But when he made that big return to beat up everybody, DX and the Radicals. Yeah. Now sort of raw from earlier this year, he had that on. Now he's back in that gear. And now the right guard, Extreme Rewind, shows us what happened when Kane returned on Raw and beat up the Undertaker. Mm. Right guard also shows a guy running away from a tiger. I think it's just a bit of a longer advert, but like. Right guard's the whole thing about right guard is it helps you, keeps you fresh and makes you not sweat as much. Like, yeah. I think if you're running from a, a actual tiger, how much you're sweating is really, at least you're worried whether or not you're going to shite, literally shite yourself. Yeah, it's you're, my biggest worry well, actually, after getting eaten. Your main worry is can I quickly, in, in a couple of seconds, fashion this can of right guard into some, side, some sort of projectile missile that I can kill this fucking thing chasing me with? Mm-hmm. Or should I just throw it at it and hope yeah. for the best? Try and spray it in its direction. Maybe the maybe it won't like it. Maybe it'll get in its eyes. Mm, maybe. <laughs> so yeah, Kane comes out after Benoit was walking across his post match on the Undertaker. Kane comes out, chasing him off. He helps he Undertaker like, "Oh, the brothers, they're united. When they're together, they're the most dominant force." Oh my God, Kane, what are you doing? <laughs> Joke slam. And I don't know if he made it to Joke Slams or maybe it didn't break properly, but he Joke Slams him, picks him back up again, and make you. Uh, not try to stop him he's sitting there like this, like he's per- Try to watch him, try to direct, secretly direct him towards the spot where the ring's meant to break. Mm. And he picks him up, chokeslams him, and it's him hard. He makes a dent and goes partly through the ring. And JR loses his absolute fucking shit about this. Like, oh my, Kane just chucks in the Undertaker, throw them out, and all the way to hell. <laughs> well, yeah, so Kane's a heel now because. Big Show's out of SummerSlam, managed to get into an opponent. Fuck it. Turn that's the big in heel. That's, that's, that's literally the story. Yeah. Out come the right to censor. And I yeah. actually quite liked this promo. Yeah, well, it was good. It was good. I, I I forget that they were actually one of the likeable portions in the WWF at the times. Yeah, like, when you really think about it, the right to censor get over as an act, mainly through their own merits, and I think even less... Less of the WWF because, you know, when it's the day if you try to get them over the really commentary ram it down, you feel like, how dare you tell us what to do, our freedoms, our rights to expression, yeah. and how dare you just cult these hypocrites. But when it's just them talking and yeah. just them doing their thing, that's when they get over. That's when you, re- you realise a good right to censor can actually yeah, when be. You, when you just 
make Michael Cole shut up and let Stephen Richards talk. Also, I love, I think, I can't remember if it was Michael or King that says, but Booby Kai gets to make, I think it's the first time Bill's spoken since he joined right to Spencer. Yeah, yeah. They didn't talk a lot. Yeah, his promo was good. Uh, he was usually just a silent, like the silent. Yeah. <laughs> and was it when the commentator goes, oh great, Bull's going to speak. But Bull spoke well. Right. And then he mentions his children and uh, King goes, oh guys, procreated. <laughs> I didn't, reading up on Bull, I didn't realise that his son mm-hmm. currently is signed to a deal with the WWE. Yeah, he wrestled on NXT, Bruce yeah. Jensen. Bruce Jensen, yeah. Doesn't have as much, well, doesn't have the, the most charisma, I don't think. But weirdly, he has this weird mullet thing going around. I look at him like, why do you look more like you could be the son of one of the smoking guns and not the, and not Bill Buchanan? Yeah. But Bill does go on like, where he claims in this universe he's got two daughters. He could in real life be two daughters and a son. Who knows? Yeah. He's like, you know, my little girls asked me, Daddy, why can't we watch you on the television? And it makes my heart, because I can't tell them that, you know, I, I work for a company that uses violence, promotes violence as entertainment, that promotes profanity as entertainment. <laughs> and I'd just be too ashamed for them to watch it. And then it was, and then GR King's like, King and Cole are like, I'll just leave then if you have such a problem with it. <laughs> like when people like, like weird, overly proud Americans see when people someone rightfully calls out actually think about living in America. Go, well, fucking leave then, love it or leave it, get out of here. Mm. No, leaving is not the issue. If I leave, the issue is still here. That's the thing I'm talking about. Yeah. That he's going on, and like you say, he's very well spoken. He's almost tearing up, like I was ashamed. I'm like, I'm trying to make this world. I want my daughters to one day look back and see that our daddy did, did what he could to make the WWF and the world a better place. Mm. And yeah, Bill actually had one of these better promos. I can't think of him ever cutting another promo, so this, by default, in my opinion, is his best promo. Yeah, well, I mean, when he joined John Cena as yeah. general part of his booyah. Because <laughs> he's hip and all that. Yeah, anytime. That was his shtick. He, Cena cut the rappy promo yeah. and B squared went booyah, <laughs> and that was that. Weird thing about about Bill is that he he has a really good promo and he really fits as a big like enforcer almost in mm. a way. He is in terms of recruiting people, he has like the least amount of reason to ever actually be in the group out of everyone. Like think about they convert the former pimp. They've got they're going to convert the former porn star Valvinus later on. Ivory's always been against. Like the presentation of the women's guy looks like yeah, that, so yeah. it makes them when he joins Stevie, changing his ways from going from the guy who was an ECW to this, being this kind of almost cult leader like. Uh, but then, then, and then there's Bull, the guy who a few months ago was dressing in a riot and basically proto shield yeah, gear. Yeah, proto shielding. But you, you have the also thing, right? You remember when mm-hmm. Bull first appeared in the WWF, he was yeah. weak on. Yeah. And the Truth Commission, mm. and led by a weird cult leader fucker, mm-hmm. the Jackal. Mm-hmm. Now he's in the right to censor. Another group with opinions, mm-hmm. led by a weird cult leader type, Stevie Richards, who even talks a bit like mm. the Jackal. This weird cult of Mormons looking guys, yeah, yeah, the big yeah. white shirts and the long black ties. Imagine them going to your people's door. Have you heard the good news? The WF is about to get censored. Have you heard about the right to censor? 
<laughs> Do you have the time to talk, good father, Bill Buchanan? Oh, you little Bill Buchanan, good father. Like, oh, hello, we, we, patron. Do you have time to talk about the values of right to censor? Do you have time to talk about our Lord and Savior, Stephen Richards? <laughs> <laughs> he is a wise man. A wise, wise man. Except Stephen and your statement, and the world will be a nice, better place under our censorship. No profanity. No blood. No naked women. <laughs> just censor. Yes. Just censorship. Censorship and good all-American wrestling. <laughs> Stephen Richards. Then the good fella gets the main point of He's almost begging the family. Can't you see what you're cheering for is wrong? We are doing this for your own good. good. Everything I was doing, it was wrong. I see that now. Why can't you see it? And then Stephen, there's a point in this where he's almost both Dallas. Like, like when you talk about when both loses for the first time to our truth and like mm. that weird craziness behind the positive like belief stuff. Can't believe you beat me, truth. But it's okay. Yeah, that. But like, and there's a little bit where Stephen's talking. There's a bit where he starts and he does this like smile, this this little sinisterness behind the veil of like doing mm. the right thing. So much shows so much more what Stephen's true intentions are. More so than just that one subtle bit than anything the WF are doing because they're so beating you over the head with it. But Stephen is showing that he can be a really good promo and yeah. he's selling you on what this character actually is. Yeah, like a twisted shit. Yeah. Because like, English like, I we regret what we had to do to Victoria and what we had to do to, to lead on Raw. But please do not judge us by our action. Judge us by our convictions. And then he shows a clip of uh, Rikishi doing squat with his big ass. Mm. A shot of Rikishi's ass gets one of the biggest pots of the night. It shows to show the priorities oh. of the people in 2000. Big ass, big pop. <laughs> the bigger the ass, the bigger the pop. Anyway. That, that could be taken so many ways. <laughs> no. Don't, don't. But it's like, this scully shows is not just the women who need to change their ideals. The men, too, need to think about how they dress. I think that plus the stuff with Too Cool. I think this is it, setting up uh, Too Cool or we're going to fight the right to censor at, yeah. at SummerSlam. And, you know, they will all be censored. Like they, If they don't change their ways, they will be censored. And he does a bit where he's just like, we have implored you, we have informed you, we have educated you. And then the, the smile then goes all seriously. And now... We are warning you. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to backstage, a weird change of face. Remember, Rikishi, Xbox is laughing, still sniggering because Road Dog got a very long stink face as Xbox did the outside during a handicap match and just laughed at Road Dog rather than helping. Like, well, isn't that what Road Dog had done to him the previous week? Yeah, but like, Xbox was actually out there where he could have yeah, helped me yeah. sit there laughing, like, you still got a little bit on your face, man. <laughs> you know, you got the stink face too. Yeah, but not as long as you. <laughs> and then I just be your cane slowly tips over the bin to show his frustration that Undertaker is not here yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, commentary start running down the SummerSlam card. He goes, you know, I'd really like to see the Undertaker and Kane go out at SummerSlam. Spoilers. <laughs> but King, you've also got a match coming up at SummerSlam where Taz, because Taz was wrestling on Rogan's Crash Holly. Uh, King was forced to go up the ramp by, by Commissioner Foley and JR called the match his cell. Mm. So Taz Perfect squashes Crash and then he gets right up in JR's face again like, what we got him finished with? You want to slap me? 
And then he shoves Jair over and he starts yelling at him. And then King runs back down and starts brawling with yeah, Taz again. Brawling with him. And so they run down and they're talking about Adam Dunro into very little warning. All we get right before Taz appears is Michael Jair. Wait a minute. So yeah. no warning, like, you could have helped give your boy a bit of heads up there, Michael, but Taz just comes in, Taz's mission was a fucking yeah, like, cord of the headset right in the throat of, of Oh, no, King. he's like, wait a minute, get somebody out here. Look, King, look, he's pat. look at his face, he's passing out. <laughs> he just chokes him out. King disappears for a little bit, waiting well, for this next well, match. Taz lets him go, and he goes up, and he's like, just another victim. <laughs> Walk away with that shot on, it's really cool. Dog. Mm. You know, that's when he still had it. We bit a wrestler legitimacy <laughs> before he decided to try and be a commentator, bless him. <laughs> so, King misses out this next match. He comes back later on, but we've got two cool versus DX. A King of Rock, what? K Rock, whom? Yep. Run DMC version. I, I think this might be the last one, one of, if not the last time you'll see these two team up because uh, they really get into it at the end of this. Yeah, yeah. Two cool go on the offense to start off with Scotty. Hits the worm on uh, Xbox and yeah, pretty quickly too. Yeah, and then he's just he, he sets it up so that Grandmaster can do the hip hop drop. We have to first take the time, get the goggles, get them all. Yeah, uh, then up. he gets shoved. Well, Scotty gets shoved by Road Dog, and uh, that causes a, uh, it causes the classic boz on the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. Which you know I've I've always been curious. I know it for, I know it would suck, but for the fact that it you know it makes him fall out the ring, uh. and that's him. Yeah, pretty much. And then we grab, we grab Scotty, <laughs> right? And I've got to say, this looked awfully suspect. Oh yeah, I've got to say, it looked, you could hear people in the crowd laughing. Ah, it looked very, very suspect. And I'm like, what are you doing? Because, you know, I'm not going to say what it looked like, but it looked sus, you know. But like, he's going for the pump handle slam, the and Xbox. I think X Pack's going for the X Factor. And and they're like, like, to me, to you, to me, to you. But fucking, you know. So we end up. He doesn't fucking... help that Xbox tries to mime basically shagging somebody before he hits the uh, Omel Slam. Literally, OSW, whenever someone hits a Pummel Slam, but isn't Road Dog, it doesn't do the talk. They go, Pump Handle Slam, Sam's bumming. Aye, aye. <laughs> but needless to say, Scotty avoids that mess aye, because they it... start having an argument with each other, to which aye. I think uh, Xbox shoves Road Dog on his ass, and he's like. Because, like. This friendly rivalry is now taking a bad turn. Like they just they can't get along. They're laughing at each other, not helping each other, shoving at each other. And then King comes out, causing no deep contest. They both Xbox and Road Dog take choke slams. Yeah. And then King takes a microphone. And this, this, you know, people weren't asking at that point. I'm sure they had been asking me. Goes, why did I choke slam my brother? Because I finally accepted who I am. I'm a monster. I am a monster. <laughs> And then someone's making fun there, like, that's explanation enough. Like, I'm a prick, alright. Yeah. I think it's, I think, also, I will never not do when I'm wanting to do a proper impression of Kane on this mask at this point. Do I risk with my mask in front of my house? No, I don't go, I don't go. Atlanta Falcons. Yes. This, 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 this is what Kane sounds like to me. Mm. I cannot breathe in this fucking mask. It's probably what he was thinking. But yeah, it's like, that's all justification I need, but. It sounds a lot like the same justification they would do a lot better when they went back to Deadman Taker when Kane buried him alive. Like he was sick of seeing Taker as a biker and basically, like, oh, he's not a monster anymore. He's a fraud. He's not like me. Mm. So I had to take him out. Which seems like to be what they're kind of doing here, but just kind of badly. It's just a rushed version of it. Yeah. And then Undertaker, we see him. He slowly 
limps like I'll get I'll get there in a minute. He's still selling me through to the ring. That's not what he's selling. That's just how well he moved at the time. <sighs> oh, I'll get in. I'll beat you up, kid. Yeah, sorry, too much pie. Too much pie. Hey, I used to be an athlete, son. I biscuit. <laughs> American biscuit a boil. <laughs> American bias. Bunnyston's favourite biker. <laughs> Undertaker. Death Valley's favourite son. Oh, there I go. You got to put me through the ring. Just leave me here to die, Sim. Just leave me here. Just leave me here. And then he's getting up his face and he's backing away from You're away to do a mind pay-per-view. He's backing away from him. He goes, steps to the rock under your thumb and then as soon as Undertaker takes a little... Dane looking in another direction, Kane just like cheap shots and yeah, take her. smacks him good. Like, why? Why is Kane doing it? Like, well, he told you, Michael. Didn't make sense, but he told you. But that, uh, Kane gives him a couple of good smacks, mm-hmm. and then Undertaker sort of feebly tries to fight back. Uh-huh. He gets smacked again, gets fucking put outside, mm-hmm. then gets twatted hard style in the skull a few times, mm-hmm. like good fist shots, and then Kane reaches over for a chair. Mm-hmm. And he gives him a good one. Oh, yeah. A hell of a good one. You heal that fucker. Because the first one he hits him with, that's a legit, you know, grit your teeth and bear it. That's a fucking mm-hmm. headshot. That's a that's a Chris Nowinski finger wag, that one. That's a roll, don't do that. Yeah. And then the next one, though, the next one was one of your standards, you know, I like hit the palms of your horns. Aye. Because the second don't, don't one... Com- t- don't completely brain the guy. Aye, because Kane swung like fucking yeah. Undertaker. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> horns up. Oh Jesus, no again. Right, that was after he took one or two uh, to the fucking back and all. But basically, Kane mollocates him, uh, beats the piss out of him, and then he's like, fucking, there you want your excuse, there you go, there's your reason, you fat old prick. He shouts something, I'm all heard with the word brother, but like, I think again, the mask is not helping the way to like, he shouts, brother. What he actually said was, let me tell you something, brother. I'm a monster, Jack. So what you gonna do when Kane chokeslams you through the ring? All the hundreds of thousands of screaming Canaanites. <laughs> I'm a fear game pro. Hey, then King comes back like, King, you know what? What's Taz thing? Like, I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about what you're I've never seen Kane do that to his own brother. Like, I can't believe that happened. Like, you know, two years ago, he put his brother in a casket and burned it. Aye. And then, the cause for his brother who... Have you, admitted, have you not been watching? <laughs> his brother who also admitted to murdering his own parents. Yeah. Have you not been watching, King? Aye. That choke, that transmission choked you a wee bit uh, too much. Losing circulation of the brain there, pal. That was before the transmission. <laughs> uh, the Rock Triple H, that's the main event at SmackDown. <laughs> Stephanie and Shane are in the corner, but then fully goes early. Now, I did say this was not for the championship. And so, well, as much as this, as well as being a non-title <laughs> match, I neglected to inform you this is a non-McMahon's and ringside match. <laughs> but if you want title matches... Then I'll have the advice because on this Monday, Shane and Stephanie, you have title matches. Mm. Stephanie, you will, I'm sure you'll have no problem putting the women's title line against Lita. Yeah. And Shane, you get a shot at the hardcore champion, Steve Blackman. <laughs> and spoilers for Raw, this is starting a chain of events which will lead to a spectacular match at SummerSlam where Shane will win the hardcore title on, on Raw with TNA interference. Try to Retire the belt as champion, but fully says no. And I think we'll say, okay, 24 7 rule is suspended for now. So I want to make sure you're champion at SummerSlam when Steve Blackman gets his rematch. Mm. And if Blackman gets it back in, I'll say spectacular fashion. Yes. 
Also, I thought the 20, but the 24th Emerald I remember is still in effect, even though nobody's also hard enough to try and jump Steve Blackbear, as Aye. we've seen, right? They'd but, be stupid enough. But Benoit put him in the crosses after the hardcore match, and they're like, oh, Blackman tap, it won't do anything. Like, it's 24-7, surely if he, if he tapped out, then that would count as a title change. Benoit could have won the belt anyway. Yeah, but you know, you know, you know wrestling rules and all. It only it only counts when they say it counts. Rules, rules help control the fun. Wrestling rules in this time period are like the rules when you used to play playground games with people like, no, 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 that's not the rules, no, no. That's, that's not what... Let's see, 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 let Triple H is wailing on the rock in the, the corner while Mickey, Mickey is struggling to get Triple H away from him. Triple H is just showing Mickey, get away from me. <laughs> rock comes back with a belly to belly, high knee from Triple H. Bloody Mickey gets tangled in the ropes when he's meant to take a bump because it looks like he almost very much lands on his, yeah. his head. So much so that King even points it out, the weird landing he took. <laughs> rock takes down Triple H, sits up for the people's elder crowd are going mental. Up, but angle. But he said he was going home. He <laughs> lied to us. The bad guy lied? Wow. <gasps> I don't know what to believe anymore. Yeah. My relief and my trust in people has been shattered. <laughs> he comes out with a chair, but well, he gets momentarily stopped by the rock, but Triple H gets up in time to give him a low blow. Chair a, shot. A behind, a from behind low blow. That's got to have stung. Oh, yeah. Well, I probably did. Right in his Brahma bills. <laughs> <laughs> low blow, chair... Uh, Triple H also like he could win with the steel chair but Triple H like no I must win with Pedigree yes. Pedigree must win all my matches Pedigree is the greatest finisher of all time because I am Triple H oh that is oh yeah why the hell do you think Seth Rollins keeps trying to use it Triple <laughs> H wins with a Pedigree and kind of, kind of like he's like alright then okay I see like they're all like they're on the same page he and Angle reach each other like but you know it's like every man for himself match at SummerSlam well, if they could do that at SummerSlam, we'll have a new champion. Like, well, yeah, maybe, but then as soon as they take out the Rock at SummerSlam, they'll probably fight each other. Yeah. So one of them will end up the champion. <coughs> yeah, only... It's like it's like Edge's friends from Highlander Ranking would say, there can be only one. <laughs> I like getting to come back to that. But anyway, that has been the August 17th episode of SmackDown, and I'm... Not too shabby a no, show. Not too shabby. Not too shabby. We had, we had some really legit... Moments in it, we yeah. had a lethal weapon, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we had Kane going heel and beating the piss out of that fat old man. Mm-hmm. Oh, like Undertaker, sorry. Yeah. I mean, he looked old in 2000, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, he did. He, he, he was just, he was, I think he was just fucking annoyed at that point. He was like, well, can I be asked? Do you know he, temp- he briefly held the ring for a <coughs> WWE champion when he won it from Hogan? He was like in mid to late 20s when he yeah. did that. And then Yoko took it, then Brock, and Brock, Brock and Brock. Brock and Brock. Anyway. And Cena took it. He was young when he took it. Too. I, don't, I don't think Cena is counted as the youngest. Though. No, no. Although apparently, talking about OVW, talking about Brock, I think Brock actually, the week of this show, like a few days before this SmackDown, he had his first ever match in front of a crowd in OVW. 
did Brock Lesnar. Exactly. Only, he was part of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. I don't know if it was a time match, but that would have been that kind of beer, big single at doing shooting yeah, stars. Yeah, yeah. Brock, 60 people were in the venue, that little venue in Louisville, to see <laughs> the in-ring debut of the beast Brock Lesnar. Hmm. Well, interesting time. But, Paul, final thoughts on this episode. Where is your thumb, and what do you recommend from this episode? Uh, my thumb would be generally... Generally up, mm-hmm. not not like a big like fucking exclamation yeah. mark on it, but a good episode. And I would probably recommend if I had to mm-hmm. pick something from it, I'd probably pick either the main event match, which was a decent enough match until the shenanigans, mm-hmm. or possibly the actually possibly the match between uh, the acolytes and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Acolytes and Crash and mm-hmm. Bossman and Kaintai because it surprising to me it was actually a pretty decent match. Mm. You know, I know those are odd ones to yeah. take away from it, but I mean, if you're just looking for something to really get you going on this, you could watch the whole segment with Kane and the Undertaker and Kane yeah. beating the piss at the Undertaker because that was a good section too. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, surprisingly, I'm not going for Blackman because well, it just it wasn't that good a match. Mm. To be honest with you, not not Steve Blackman's fault. Yeah, I just I think being honest with you, as good as Benoit was, I don't really think that that was his type of match. Really, he's not a weapons guy. Yeah, I I may recommend the match that Harker match all on the basis of the idea of like seeing this odd pairing of Blackman and Benoit, and also being for the hardcore title. Oh but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd, I'd give I'd be saying with a thumbs up, like not a firm thumbs up, but it's good. It accomplished everything it needed to for this episode of SmackDown. Yeah, like you say, it, it built the story. It solidified factions. Mm-hmm. The promo from Right to Censor yeah. was solid. I was gonna say either the main event or possibly even the Right to Censor promo. I'd yeah, recommend because yeah. I saw the amount of time on the like look on the the chapters on when you look at the episode on the network, and I looked how long it was going. Like, huh. Like, is someone going to interrupt them? Is this going to be a straight... Or just, no, it's just straight... Right, since they took their time, they put across their message, they let people boo them. built the faction, they yeah. built the character. Yeah, it was real interesting development to the right to censors, you know, overall message. Yeah. yeah and I, like I you say, it. great, great character development with Stevie Richards as yeah. well. You see the weird grins and you can see mm-hmm. the occasional slip of the facade. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I agree. Because so, he's getting ready to go, <laughs> evil, true evil. Uh-huh. With censorship, <laughs> but the, he's waiting to cross the line from everyday villainy to cartoonish super villainy. Yes, yeah, so waiting for that moment where he can actually utter that maniacal laugh and go, <laughs> and not like Ross and Friends when he catches Rachel kissing that Italian guy and goes, because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it didn't go too well for him. He was like, oh no, she is snogging that man and not me. Why am I not that man? Well, you're not Italian, are you? Not Ross, neither. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Ross. Oh, oh, well, fine, fine. Yeah. But before we, we round out this latest episode, Paul, I'm, I'm between two themes here. Because we were mentioning The Undertaker and also the fact that he appeared as American Badass very recently. I was going to say, but playing the actual Kid Rock version of American Badass. Or, because we don't see them too often, I was going to say, give some love to Carrie to play their theme song. Yeah, do that. Kaintai? Yeah, Kaintai. Yeah. I love Takamichi Noku, and I like yeah. Funaki. You know, Smackdown, how, Smackdown number one announcer. How long was this before he was Smackdown's number one announcer? Oh, that would have been like brand split, initial brand split era. Right. Early, well, sort of... Like, 03, 04. I, I remember him especially doing in 04. Like, two things I remember him being Smackdown number one announcer was like... Uh, like 
a back to an extra on the DVD ad for Rumble Four where he was there with his shirt that said SmackDown number and so like I'm standing outside the room he's trying to get interviews everybody as they're drawing the Rumble numbers mm. and they'll be always over top but number one number one and that's it and the one where Armageddon 04 where he fought Spike Billy for the Cruiser title where was like, I'm exclusive interview for this next match I am interviewing the challenger for the Cruiserweight title Funaki hello Funaki thank you for having me Funaki <laughs> did he win? I actually went on to win the title Hey. That was, that was, he only held it for a month, but I was like, yay, well, I'm for Nike. Cool. Yeah, I, might yeah. look, I might look that match up on YouTube and see if I can find it. There you go. A tribute to former light heavyweight champion Takamichi Noku and former cruiserweight champion Finaki, who looks open to love here on the SmackDown. <coughs> Hell yes. Yes. Until next time. And it's a, it's a real pity that, considering Too Cool got a title run, mm-hmm. why didn't Gain die? I don't know. You know, that would have been cool. Yeah, Finucchi's still going, but it's time to still going, and we all rejoice. Dick Togo's also still going, and people don't like him. People don't like Dick Togo? People don't like Dick Togo. Why don't people like Dick Togo? Because he's associated with a group called Eyes of Torture, who are just... Torture also sums up watching them wrestle. They're overly book gimmicky matches, and also he keeps having an influence in creative, and it's always bad ideas he has. Ah, okay, okay. Was he the one in kind Tai that wore the maiden shirts and yes. the denims? Yes. I always fucking liked him, too, because he wore the maiden shirts and denims. <laughs> Never yeah. done a lot, but he always wore a good shot. But until next time, we'll let you hear your Kai theme song. It doesn't really last very long. It's very repetitive, but it's a bit of a chin. It's uh, nostalgic wrestling joy. Yes. Until next time, we are going to talk about more nostalgic wrestling joy as we continue on the road to SummerSlam and the Rogue Retro Smackdown review. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.